Hello everyone and welcome to the Librarians Podcast episode 23, I think. Yes, I wrote LB23 somewhere, I remember it. So that's what episode it must be. We are here doing the things and apparently I've forgotten how to stream and do anything. So you're going to be seeing us very shortly in a matter of time. There you go, sorry. The new OBS is, it looks very, very different. It's this exactly the same, but it froze me now because it's like it looks darker uh, and it looks cool. Yes. Uh, yes, and also I need to. Can you just say that again so that everyone can hear you? <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? I have no idea. Wow, just muting me. No, I, I did. Oh, I did. I muted just, everyone. <laughs> you were just letting us build a moment of suspense. Boots isn't even here, Jebro. He can't even try to interu- like, interrupt you while you do your intro. I know. You have to learn to trust again. I- and unmute <laughs> us so that I can inter- interrupt your intro. I have to learn to trust again. That's so true. That's so true. That's so true. Excellent. Well, what, what, um, what Rukuru was saying... Uh, as we, we were coming in is uh, I can't remember actually I, I remembered and then I forgot but it's, it's fine it. it's, yeah <laughs> absolutely every day all the time it's it's a week this week and I'm glad that we have I'm around friends that don't judge me um, <laughs> hopefully definitely yeah. yeah I'll be sure. judging you don't worry yeah, well, yeah we won't judge you Jeff yeah cool So hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> uh, I am ready with my half ham sandwich on the floor uh, and also the potential for a sofa to be delivered during the podcast. So it's going to be a wild one. Um, it is the review, the final, uh, the final part because there was, we thought we could do it in one week and I don't know how anyone thought that was going to be possible. That was mostly me. Um, so we're going to finish it today. So this is technically part two of the End of Dragons story review. Uh, and Otter Scotch and Harold are joining us this week. Harold, a.k.a. Fornix. Um, Boots and Kruf are absent in a uh, bowling tournament together. I wish that was true. I wish that was every fiber of my being and that we could watch them both be in a bowling tournament together. We could commentate it. I believed you. I feel so foolish now. You have lied to me. (sighs) You're upset. I mean, maybe we can just get them to play a bowling game. Do you remember that Wii Fit game? Yeah, they could play Wii Fit bowling. It's very old now. I don't know. I don't think that's around still. I like this. I think this is good, and I'm glad we've made this decision for them while they are away. Yes, yes. This is why you got to be here, because otherwise you get volunteered for things. Yes. (laughs) Well, Kruf is now a professional bowler. Um, Boots, you could probably you could probably like get that from Boots, but like Kruf, you wouldn't have thought they were a bowler. I don't know. Not saying the bowlers have. I thought he'd taken up pole dancing. I thought that's what he was doing now. Pole dancing. Oh, pole dancing. Yeah, yeah, it's all that I Canadian would. spirit. It's just like, whoop, right up the pole. I would also like to see that very much. That would be also really good. But I need to take it back like two seconds in which Jebro said, 
Boots looks like the kind of person that would do bowling tournaments and then just blasted past it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether or not this is an insult no, or no, like no, no, no. compliment. I just feel I like he know. wears shirts like that. That's all. He's bowling for soup. I don't know. I don't know. Critique I feel like they would. Fashion sense. I feel like he would look good in those shirts. That's all I'm saying. I mean, if I was good at bowling, I can't because my hip. You know, but like. Right. Yeah. Of how old you are and how yeah. bad your hip is. Yeah. Yeah. And my hair. <laughs> like a severe lack of hair. Actually, that would make me a fantastic bowler. Um, okay, so <laughs> we we are going to do a mini intro this week uh, because why not we didn't do it last last time or the time before but um our scotch and herald are here as well and i want to give them another opportunity to do that also because i'm noticing that we are getting significant amount of views on podcasts right now for some reason episodes like we're hitting episodes are like four or five thousand views i and they're old episodes so for some reason people are starting to pick up on it so thank you uh for watching future listeners yeah so i want to make sure that we do do the intros so that people can hear and hear the people when they do when they do the stuff oh scotch what do you do where you do it i stream at otter scotch on twitch um i do for for right now just guild wars on tuesdays when the weather calms itself down i will be uh moving back to uh needle felting and other variety Oh, cool! Yeah. Show it for longer. Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 um, so this is this is you. wool. This is all wool that you stab into submission to be make it the thing you want it to be. It's that really fun. It's very Cute. cool. So very what would you call it? If, if you've got like audio only people, what would you call what you just showed us? Um, oh, okay. So it is. I made a little pink quaggan mini out of uh, out of packed wool. So it's uh, mm. it's awesome. kind of soft, a little bit squishy. They're very fun. That's Please tell me good. you have an Etsy store and I can buy that. Soon. Thank you. Oh, let me know. Please. Yes. There you go. Already already selling it to the you people guys, on the podcast. This is great. <laughs> you just need Take to have my a... money. Take oh, my money. Wow, you have a money emo now? Yeah, do you do that? Do you do the whole like yeah. Like, oh yeah, shake it, baby. Shake it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're such an English person. <laughs> <laughs> oh. thank you darling i appreciate that <laughs> this is why i do this okay uh i do it for the quag and bart wiggles <laughs> Crichton Harold. oh did your eyebrows move I <laughs> yeah, did. oh my god the eyebrows move as well though this is amazing that thank was you. good timing okay you might as well tell us what you do and where you do it then as well, Vonix. I'm Vonix, the Crichton Herald. I have a YouTube channel called the Crichton Herald where I make uh, Guild Wars 2 and other other content for gaming. Um, at the moment on the channel, there's a massive, I, I posted 24 uh, tiny mini new player guides for people coming in on street wow. on Steam. So cool. pop in and have a look. Yeah, I have been busy. Good so, job. I also stream occasionally. Okay. There yes. is a three hour, three and a half hour stream up on my channel, um, which is basically a new player guide all in and itself. But awesome. I do go horse about halfway through. That, that's it. There you go. Okay. Well, check out the Grand Herald on the uh, old Twitches as well. All the information is given in the description below. Doing this hand thing. Uh, thank you for joining us as well. Last but certainly not least, Rookery is here as well. Tell us what you do, what you do it. Hello, I'm Rookery. 
Bree, aka Rook. Um, I don't know if I look like a person that would be assumed to be a bowler, but maybe I do, and I'll leave that to all of you to decide for yourselves. But um, if you want to, you know, watch and hang out and, you know, form an opinion of that yourself, uh, you can find me over <laughs> on Twitch at Rookery, R-O-O-K-U-R-I. You can also find me on YouTube at Rookery, uh, spelled the same way, and on Twitter at Rookery underscore. I am usually live on my own channel over on Twitch two to three days a week, and uh, we do various stuff there, content, uh, you know, activities, giveaways, all that kind of stuff in usually Guild Wars 2 and Final Fantasy 14. And then you can also find me two days a week, one of which is on this podcast, the other of which is on a Final Fantasy 14 podcast, A the right radio um, on Friday and Saturday. And then I usually try to get at least one, sometimes two YouTube videos up a week, depending on what the rest of our streaming schedule or special events are like. So uh, whatever we're doing, wherever we're doing it, it's always great to see you. Awesome. That was, that was boom. Sorry. While I was doing that, I was many looks on my face. Like I was just looking for these <laughs> looks on my face while I was trying to find like, cause I'm using cruise footage for, and I'm still allowed to use it. They said, um to basically give us a little bit of a guide as we're kind of going through things and uh i've lost where i am i wanted to go through a little bit of the minister lee fight i think with and just get the opinions of fornax and Oscar because i think we kind of we maybe rushed through a little bit towards the end then i wanted to go maybe go back and also give us a little bit of a warm up and getting back into it and kind of getting excited and talking about the things again so also it just gives me the opportunity to uh yeah talk more crap i guess <laughs> so we're gonna go and do that but if you're new to the stream or new to the show make sure you check out the things in the description check out which channels and welcome check a follow on twitch as well i massively appreciate it um and i am jebra uh the person who puts this together weekly and uh, it's been very fun and also sometimes challenging for myself to do <laughs> but it's fine and everything's here and everyone's good but yes uh, so we're in this part of the story and also i have notes but they're on my f cell phone so i run out of monitors everyone it's going great uh we're at the point in the end of dragon story so we're like act three slash four kind of moving between the two um, and thinking about this, so actually it might be good to ask um, Fornax maybe an Scotch before we we kind of got up to and just past Anker fight, Anker fight, um, and towards Minister Lee kind of fight. Like that's where we are. We kind of finishing that. Is there anything like in the story where you were super like, yeah, this was an amazing thing that I loved? And is there anything you didn't love up until that kind of point? And maybe you would. Uh, would like to share at all. And if there isn't, then that's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm scrolling back through. <laughs> I, see, I, I read the notes past okay. where you said we'd talk yeah, about, yeah, yeah. but that's not okay. before. It's just remembering it, because it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. that's the thing. Like, and maybe because like, the ending is, is pretty big. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's daunting to think of, to go back and then think, oh God. It was a lot was a happened lot. <laughs> in this expansion story. And yeah. honestly, it kind of felt like at several points that could have been the story. Mm -hmm. And I would have been satisfied. <laughs> so, like, just the whole arc with Minister Lee, you, you, since you were, uh, yeah, starting out with that, um, that could have been. And the way they did it was 
they, they could have brought that whole um what is the word i'm even looking for kind of uh investigative noir it, it yes. could have leaned heavier into that that investigating the corruption in society story even more it mm. was fun it was a lot of fun i mean as much uh, i i'm i'm hoping for lots of rama going forward he is what yeah. the, the voice actor is amazing and the character that they mm -hmm. built in the game is just so intriguing and interesting and open and kind and it's he's he's sarcastic in a in a friendly way which i you know i appreciate he he has he has an air of of the old kanak about him in in his a little bit and and i i like that yeah. i like i like a bit of an edge but i did see the i did see the battle coming from like a mile off it was fairly the minister lee fight the minister lee was gonna was going to fork up our shit Obviously. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. I think okay. my big regret with it is that, like I said, it, it could have been the entirety of the story and been a very satisfying story. Um, but it kind of took second stage to, uh, you know, the world ending consequences we were facing. So it, it I didn't care as much as I wanted. It wasn't as satisfying of an end oh, to that arc. If I no, had folk. been, because you can tell with Minister Lee, they could have given us even more moments to really just to, to have it be so satisfying to take him down. So it could have been. Yeah. You said like it could have been like it, like a living world, yeah, part story, like post End of Dragons, possibly. Mm -hmm. That that actually could have been terrific. I mean, we I'm talked... sincerely hoping that. Oh, sorry, Rob. Oh no! Oh my gosh! Go, oh please, my go. god! How dare you, <laughs> <laughs> Boots? What are you doing? I mean, sorry. <laughs> I'm sincerely hoping that we actually get Morley. I think I said this the last yeah. time I was on. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want that to be the end of his story because I think there can be there can be redemption for people who take the wrong path. And I think that especially like games like Final Fantasy fourteen are fantastic at taking the villain who we see as a traditional villain and giving them life and depth, understanding why they're behaving the way that they are, and they give them a road back to the place where they they felt that they were in the first place in the right sort of like the right side of history. Right. And I really want that for Lee. I think he could be like a, it could be a redemption arc for him. I hope. I mean, there are so many ghosts in Cantha, literally and figuratively, you know, mm. the idea that um, even to this day, although we made it through, um, you know, the era of Shiro's return. And if you played Guild Wars 1, you know, you conquer that. But then as you move forward and as they got the sort of um, little cherry on top stories that they did at the end, the rise of the ministry um, and the ministry of purity obviously led to this, you know, racial cleansing and all these mm -hmm. other things that were really awful um, that happened in Cantha. And coming in now where we are, there is this heavy sense of history. And I one of the things I do love about Lee is the fact that as we have seen in our own world, right? Just because historic steps have been taken to bring equality or to, you know, open up the world or legislation or things like that, it doesn't always change everyone's minds overnight. These remnants mm -hmm. of these, um, you know, um, persecution and all these other things that exist still exist in society. 
And I think that's one of the things that is really fascinating about this narrative. Um, we talked a little bit last week about the fact that I think both in Kynang City and then also a little in Echo Vault, although there's a lot if you like dig around in Echo Vault, I think they both have such fantastic, like an incredible NPC cast. In Kynang as well, we have Yao, who I felt like was a little underutilized this mm -hmm. expansion as far as like the actual story beats go. Um, and that also would have led so beautifully into the gang conflicts in the Echo Vault because Yao has ties to being a former gang member and all these other things that sort of happened, yes. right? So to me, it's one of those things where I think the Lee thing, I loved it. I think as it is, it's a fantastic concept. I do think that fight with him is incredible, mm. but I think they could have given us more story beats in Kainang um, in particular, where we got a little bit more of that noir investigation. We learned about what was happening in the city. We got, you know, even more of a sense of what might just be simmering beneath the surface of this polite bureaucratic society, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that would have set things up for this, like, betrayal from lee even more where we realize that like yes it's not just about figurative void magic in this world it's also about the darkness that still lingers within various groups and people that has to be confronted that has to be you know um constantly brought up and or learned from so i i think it's great but I do agree with everybody in that there could have been more support, particularly in those zones for those stories, because like the blackout story on its own doesn't really further that narrative as far as like a meta goes. Right. So I think that the mm. they could have put more in there story beat wise, like a little mini journey, even in the expansion for that. So. Yeah, there was a lot. I think I think there that's a good point, because I think there were times and I think last week, maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't feel that way but after a week now. I'm thinking and looking back and also watching Proof's footage and also writing the notes for the for the thing and then remembering how much there really was going on through this. Like, there were so many stories. There were so many small stories that were just part of this whole, which was like, you know, what would have meant if we didn't have this specific thing and it would have made a difference? Like, would it have made the overall arc, overarching, like... Just the, the main theme, would it have, like, harmed it? Would it have taken away from it? Would it have added to it if it wasn't there? Um, I don't know. I think the fight... I think, part of me, when you're talking about the fight, I was thinking, I wonder if they made the fight and they were like, we've got to... We want to put this in now, like, into the story. Do you know what I mean? I wonder where they come up. And they probably... Obviously, they make the story first and then they make the fights and everything like that. But then I'm thinking, is the fight, like, better than... The story that's there, like, was it needed? Like, all this kind of stuff. And I think Kroof and Boots got me thinking about that last week. Because um, I was like, I really did love Plan. I've only killed it, done it a few times, honestly. But it was fun when I did it. And just even solo when I was playing on stream, it was quite good as well. But I'm thinking, like, there was so much going on. I was just like, damn, where am I? Like, who is who in this story? Who's the baddie now? Like, like is, is Minister... Should I feel sorry for him? Because he's just a bit of an arsehole? Like, I mean, you know, we might need him later because the whole world is going to crap. And it's like, it is. But then, like, literally the political side of it as well. So it's like these... I don't know. There's just a lot going on. I, f I feel like I was kind of overwhelmed a bit. Um, you know, maybe it's sets up all the living world stuff that's coming up as well. Sorry. I, I was going to say, I think it's interesting that Lee actually goes against the, 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 the kind of the, the, the foundational law that 
br- mm. that saw all the peoples of Cantha come together after Zaitan's rising. Mm-hmm. Because it was then that the even after the Ministry of Purity was like knocked down, there was still xenophobia towards um, the non-human species. And mm-hmm. when when Zaitan rose, they interceded to help the people, and that broke down all the all the prejudices. And th- when when Suwon came in, and she interceded to save as well, and they had this big moment of coming together. Mm-hmm. And Lee is acting directly against that kind of prime directive that his his culture actually represents the history that he's trying to protect. He's actually fundamentally going against it which I think is is interesting narratively and might give him a narrative thread to be able to get back onto a more even keel and find his way back to a better place. Are you going to feel um, there's a redemption arc for Minister Lee? At least there should be an attempt at it, I think. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be in so. a Living World episode. But, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that I want to explore that they, they never... So many narrative threats, you know, that even I'd just love like. If he were given another chance and completely biffed it again, could be interesting. Like maybe he escapes prison and goes on another subversive campaign trying to gain, you know, political power again because he lost it all. And, you know, that could be interesting. They could. There's a lot of opportunities with him still. I mean, Trin got it. (laughs) They got like a little bit of a. Yeah. It's, um, it, it is. I mean, like you said, the parts of history that we choose to identify with as like groups within a society i think is uh very interesting for next especially given the like you said the precedent the fact that you know supposedly here we are in cantha and you know oh we've we have you know reevaluated our our society in many ways and then there are these bits of the past that i think people hold on to for whatever reason be that Mm. they feel a sense of insecurity they look to amass their own power you know they look to a time that's more pure in canthan history and yet i think much of that also makes sense because here they are on the threshold of especially as the commander comes in and all this other stuff right but the threshold of having their world drastically change what happens if we do open up communication with the outside world again there are some who will embrace that and some who will turn against it some who view it as a threat or a threat to like the way society currently is and Lee is fascinating in that regard because he is one of those figures that I think stands on the threshold of the new and old. And, you know, can he learn from it? Does he deserve a redemption arc? Who knows? Mm. Like, it's one of those things where I think it is illustrative to see in media characters that have prejudices who can learn and who can change, yeah. you know? Because so often we see like one dichotomy or the other, but we rarely see characters that. Um, I think are confronted with certain aspects and then have a meaningful change, even if that doesn't redeem them, right? You don't have to have redemption or forgiveness, but to learn, to change, to grow, to form a different opinion, um, I think is a very worthwhile act and good to see in game. I I don't know, like, if it's so tough because it's like, on one hand, I think they could do a lot more with him. On the other hand, I'd be fine if they just left him, honestly. I mean, I don't care. I think there's enough other interesting characters in Kantha Mm -hmm. that we could explore um, Mm -hmm. as we move forward. But Lee was one of the story beats in the expansion that I felt 
so good we talked about with boots like the fact that uh, when you're in that elevator ride and you have that moment where you start to realize you're about to be betrayed yeah. that you're being taken to this arena all those beats were so good it just felt like we were missing the five beats before that beat or something with him mm. um but i understand mm. like why he was there again like the world has to come together to face a threat kantha itself has to reflect its future and embrace it um, and it is not an uncommon thing in our world, although it's sad to say, to have the world be crumbling around you, to have these issues that are so dire, and to have people in positions of power who think that, you know, well, we're just going to basically add to this blaze, but it'll be fine because when we get control, we'll do it our way. Or, you know, we'll, you know, it doesn't matter if the rest of the world is at stake or our people might suffer for it so long as in the end we come out on top in whatever way seems most beneficial to us. And so I think in those regards, he plays an important part of the entire tapestry of the story. But mm -hmm. I think that that kind of... Um, it's all there, but I think it would have been helped by having a few more supportive beats about that and what it meant for, you know, him to be working against us behind the scenes in Kantha to mm -hmm. achieve our goals just a little bit more. Um, but I love his fight, and I think the moments leading up to it are really well done. It kind of felt... Oh, sorry. No, go. No, it just, it kind of felt like we got a glimpse into Rama's story. Yeah. But I would have liked to be a part of Rama's story instead of just seeing the the that arc, the end of that arc in his story. Mm. I guess not only It's difficult though, isn't it? I mean I, I almost I almost feel like Often when I play Guild Wars stuff, because there's so many characters and it's been so uh, established previously, like if you didn't play Guild Wars 1, I think sometimes you do miss a little bit of, you know, I, I think they do a good job at trying to introduce characters where we may have seen places, people, um, to a degree. I think there's a point here where, you know, it might be nice to go back into, to have some living world stories where like kind of going back in time and they just have this thing where it's like, you know, they, you live this story and you play this character like they did with Ryland. Was it Ryland who we did that with in um, yeah. Saga? Yeah, yeah. Ryland, right? Cool yeah. memory stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so like we got, we went back and we found out why he was kind of, how, how he got shaped to be how he was and like playing as him, but we still got our abilities. We still played with mm. our class. We just looked like, you know, a male char, um, which was really cool. I liked that. Like that was really, really mm. good episode. There was some, you know, some nice little things to find extra chests and stuff, which were fancy. It gave us a lot of back info that we didn't have because they couldn't deliver that in the episode the way they had gone with it, you know, because it was chronological order. Um, and then they've nipped back and gave us those kind of beats, like you were saying, um, from earlier. So I would actually like to see that. And maybe maybe we'll see, you know, his faction come back and maybe through that way, maybe that's something we can do. Maybe. Who knows? But that would be cool. I agree, actually. Yeah, I think there's a lot of history sometimes which is missing that I would love to know more about myself, even though I played factions and stuff, and I seem to forget things very easily sometimes. Um but yeah, we've, we've kind of got the footage of the Minister Leave fight up right now as well. Um, and it was, it was really, really cool. Like, there was just a lot of different mechanics. It was mm -hmm. fun to play. It was fun, good to hear, like, the voiceovers as well from, you know, there was Rama, there was Lee, there were the guards as well, you know, there was a story in there. It was the fact that he's, like, a bladesworn, so he's one of the classes in the game. 
and it was just cool like the surroundings like you're on the top of kainang as well you're really really high up so there's this danger of being on top of this building which is really emphasized very well and this kind of holographic bridge which is very cool so there were just and the movement between different platforms they love platforms in guild wars 2 <laughs> i mean i know they love it in final they fantasy do. 14 more but like <laughs> guild wars 2 <laughs> there's just it's just platform but that's like an arena it makes sense like it just makes absolute sense um, yeah, just at least clicked. To... Cliffs, mm-hmm. yes. Oh, the, it just clicked that this is the rooftop that they had in the trailers when they first yeah. introduced that this is that rooftop anyways. I don't know if <laughs> it's the fight. It could be. I'm not sure if it's yeah, the fight, yeah. but I, I think it was reminiscent of, yes. When, when they introduce Rama and he, like, jumps down on the rooftop and kills the mech and, yeah. Mm. Yeah, um. it's... I I love this fight and... I mean, every single game, no matter what, every single MMO, if you have these kinds of structured boss fights, you have an arena. Because, yeah. I mean, like, you literally have to have a place to fight, but also to, like, a space that is within your control to navigate and execute various mechanics in, right? One thing I do have to say about Guild Wars 2, though, is that I think they keep their arenas much more interesting than many other games. Okay. The fact that they're, I mean, when you think about all of the diversity from this fight, where you're moving between these two different platforms, mm. right? And then you have enemies that are doing things at range outside, like the sniper and like the different things like that. I think all of that is fantastic. When I think back on various raid fights, like the Largos twins, where you're moving between those platforms Mm -hmm. and splitting off and taking the water up and down, um, or any of the other, you know, numbers, uh, numerous fights that we have. Um, Gosh, even though it's kind of annoying, the bandit trio is a very interesting arena setup with the different areas that you interact with and the things you need to do. Versus many other games where it is circle on the ground. That's it. Nowhere else. Only circle or square. <laughs> so <laughs> Circle, square. We want some oblongs in there. You know, some yeah. hypotenuse triangles. I don't know. <laughs> no dynamic use of space. No sense of movement in the fight. No verticality yeah. and platforms within it. Um, and so it's one of those things where I think Guild Wars 2 does push that more than many other MMOs because of the unique masteries and mobilities that we have in game. And I think that this fight shines. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the different um, enemies and they are all of the martial traditions of Cantha as well. Uh, some new, some old. And I, I think that in and of itself speaks a lot throughout the fight. Lee, um, those phases where you're going to him and you're fighting. All of that, I think, is fantastic. It's a great fight. And all of the strike missions were really solid, I thought, in End of Dragons. Very true. There were, there was, I mean, the, you know, going back to the Scarlet fight, well... Pardon me, not the Scarlet fight, but you know, the Matron fight when Scarlet was there. I call it the Scarlet fight because that's the thing I remember the most from it. Um, Yeah. We were talking about, like, last week, how, like, the cycle, we're talking about the dragon cycle. We're also talking about circles and how these, a lot of the stories are just coming back on themselves. You know, season one, Scarlet's back, you know, in one Mm. kind of shape or form and uh, the different people and different things that kind of get you know, maybe resolved. And we, we talk about, like, the ending layer. And if you have not guessed yet, spoilers, major, major spoilers right now for End of Dragons um, and everything in Guild Wars 2, basically, <laughs> uh, right now, as we think about, you know, relationships that have been formed and then culminate in something at the end of the story, you know, the circle of things. It's not just the cycle of dra- the dragon cycle, it's it's the cycle of a load of shit <laughs> that's going on in the game. And we're just like, you know... Um, you know, even with Timey and uh, to a degree and, and the illnesses that they have, 
and the assistance you know that jade tech you know is bringing to them um and their disability as well so it's like there's different there's loads of different things which kind of there's helps there's hindered things that are being hindered a little bit more um the one thing i to go back to minister lee uh that i found with that story is they they approached it in a way where it wasn't blatantly about not wanting to about like you know necessarily against races specifically like it definitely was like part that was part of it but they they didn't use the language in there specifically so it was also very much about you know new and change and not wanting to change at all like whether or not it was different people who look different or are literally different kind of beings um you know there was there was so there was a lot of i guess some ambiguity there as well to how you could read it which i liked and I don't know whether or not I would have liked them to have been more specific about like race and everything else, especially with the way the world is now, because I feel like there is a lot of lessons we can learn, but I think that's also dangerous. Um, I know that storytellers do definitely have a lot of issues telling that story well, often. Um, and I think even the just isolating it to the cult concept of cultural purity mm -hmm. was in and of itself sufficient because... Yeah, yeah it is that us versus them the the thing that is different and new that is that when they get so wrapped up in their terror of what that might do to the things they cherish yeah. that is the danger and it doesn't need to be more specific because that's the core of it is that fear yes yeah absolutely. I, I love that's it true. because i think end of dragons had every single thread it had the threads they're all there it was just about how they wanted to present it because as I think about it, and as we talk about it, right, there are a lot of kind of mentor, um, mentor relationships, parent or parental relationships represented in this expansion. Lee being a father figure to Rama, um, Yao, Maitrin, uh, who, you know, obviously found, I think, a sense of purpose and direction and, and were taught many things by June. Yes. And then, you know, mm. this idea as well of like, uh, not only cultural tradition, but, you know, how do we deal with you know con uh, confronting other things be it our own past or be it um you know outside forces and how do those dynamics in our life in many ways mold us shape us or you know do we do we navigate them um and i love it because i actually think there's so much good stuff here that all works narratively really well with everything that we end up doing in end of dragons right why are the gangs formed like we know that there's a history in Guild Wars 1 and in factions of these different gangs that operated. Why? For for black market trade, because society itself didn't have a place for many people, because of poverty, because of... Like, there are so many themes in that, right? And Yao himself is a direct, like, connection into that. And then everything that we would have learned in Echo Vault, or you do learn if you really go through and you really explore and you do the meta and you really go to all the camps. But, like... I don't even think that we had a cutscene in Echovald where we officially met either of the leaders' fact, like the, you know what I'm talking about, the faction leaders? I don't think we no, even I, had that, where we like met those two figures and what they meant uh, um, and why these, you know, gangs only a bit are operating. During the end of the meta, I think there's only that, but it's not cutscene, I don't think. I think it's just yes. the speech, like talking, like how they have to do better to work together or something, I think. Yeah. You have so to really pay attention to understand what's you have going to stay on there. there as well. Yeah, <laughs> most it's, people it's are just like extra, chesting. Out. 
it's then extra confusing when you get to the end meta and they're leading those lanes mm-hmm. and you're like i did i literally never even met these people through this the story itself the open world is a part of the story in guild wars 2 you do yeah. have to consider it that but mm-hmm. again having those directed connections i think not only supplements the entire really actually brilliant story that they're telling here but also helps us know where our attention needs to focus what needs to be brought to our attention all those sorts of things right and mm-hmm. earlier you know otter you were talking about the relationship between Rama and Lee, again, a sort of fatherly connection there. And although, like, Lee has these hidden prejudices, um, Rama, in many other ways, is... I mean, the future of Kantha, right? We talked earlier about how he's a little sarcastic, but he's really caring. You know, we've already met his, his um, like, assistant, who's the April Ludgate of, you know, of Kantha, who could care less about tradition and cultural purity. Uh, but, like, either these kind of, like, these power structures, these dynamics, these, whether it's um, bureaucratically oriented or it's something like the gangs themselves that have their own power hierarchies, there is a lot of brilliant stuff in this, and these characters have these very purposeful, you know, metaphorical, symbolic connections and great themes to explore that then again culminate in confronting Anka's question of why not just give in to nothing? You know, who cares about anyone? We, you know, it doesn't even matter. The world doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, or chaos itself, where um, that force and Suwan, who has such a great love for the world, it is literally the mother of the world considers it worth fighting for Mm. so like these themes are all throughout the entire thing i could do like a five-hour analysis of it but i think we lacked a couple of the guided um artistic kind of cutscene things that made them all just come together really clearly for people it's not that it's not Mm. there the narrative team did a phenomenal job it's just that you have to almost supplement with your own headcanon and fill out what you think they were going for in this this you know like because i think we missed a couple of those beats in those moments um you're saying that they were in them they're in the map more so than anything else like they're in they kind of hinted more so um, in the maps i think you're right i mean it's like what gears said as well like in the chat who who done our wonderful art for the for the show so thank you very much gears the names um did say something which i i kind of connected with so this is the reason why i specifically and i would love to hear some comments in the youtube comments as well if people do the same and from you all of you as well the reason why i complete maps before I go on to the next map through the story is that very reason. It's because I want to know everything about the map I can possibly glean from it, even if there's a chance that they might not happen because events happen at different times because of different things. And, you know, there was different little mini dungeons and like that, which were just amazing. Echo Vold was a wicked zone. Um, but like Gears was saying, went straight through the story didn't really explore much of echovold and it's like wow there was so much in it there like there was the events there were different factions there was the the infiltrating the factions yeah infiltrating the factions like being like you know a little bit of an operative there was an amazing heart where you could literally pick your pronouns and there was like do you know what i mean there was we didn't even talk about that i think we talked maybe we talked about it during echovold i can't remember Um, it was an early one yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, maybe it did. But like, that was a great heart. There was some just really, really great moments in that map that were good for just setting the scene and the pace of like what was to come. I felt like in some just innovative ideas that we've not really seen from them before, including the meta, you know, which was very cool. You know, I was when I played that, I was like, whoa, this is so good. 
I, I'm, I, I know when it's good when I feel like a child. Like when I feel like a child and my eyes go big and I'm just like, and my <laughs> mouth goes wide and I'm just like, oh, it's like when I played, um, not time for the first time, but that game that really failed and I just started firing off weapons. I was like, whoa, this is so good. I just have, it was just one of those moments, even though the game, the rest of the game sucks. Um, like, Anthem, that's it, Anthem, yeah. If it, everyone knows what I'm probably talking about. Anthem just failed miserably. Um, but yeah, like, it was... And if you're if you're up to this point in the podcast and you're like, what do I do? I would seriously go do what you want, but I would also just go and do the map first. Like I'm doing the map completion is so good in between story. It really just depends on how much you can remember and how long it takes you to do map completion because it can and be stick quite around long. and like listen to the dialogues because yes, you learn absolutely. so much. Just like background stories. And also sometimes you have to listen to it before the story can continue because otherwise they talk over the top of each other. Mm-hmm. And that gets a little bit yeah. awkward. <laughs> no, I mean, the End of Dragons maps are masterful. They really are. Oh. There is so much hidden in them. There are so many things that are mechanically fun that, you know, are lore enhancing, narratively enhancing. Um, I think this has been a big question with with Guild Wars 2, especially as we see more MMOs that kind of step into the space that perhaps are more linearly, cinematically story-driven, where Guild Wars 2 does that, but then they also offer this area of immersive world and action and exploration and, you know, in-the-moment storytelling that no other MMO, I really feel, has nailed in exactly the same way. I discover more every year while I go around maps that I've even been playing for five Mm -hmm. years in this game, which is phenomenal. Um, I do think that we are maybe at a threshold where how they tell these narratives, they they can keep pushing forward and exploring more. Like in Echovald, there is, I saw in the chat that mention of the story beat where you choose one or the other faction and you have to do that heart. It would be fantastic if... In that, you know, in that setting, when you went to that heart for the first time or something, regardless of what was happening with the meta, you did get some additional cutscenes. Um, mm. You know, with like, the Jade Brotherhood hideout, there's that whole hidden room that you can take yeah. a Jade bot to get to the point that of interest good. and everything that's in there. I would have loved it if, like, as you explored, you got these little side quests almost, Mm. right? That, like, it led you over there and you could explore these different little vignettes. And when you got into that chamber, when you figured it out, you got a little cutscene about the Brotherhood and, like, you know, what was happening in that moment and what they were building and stuff like that that would kind of set you up so that you Mm. would almost... You would learn the beginnings of this war that was about to, you know, happen, the gang war. And then you would kind of know, okay, that's leading me into the meta. And then when I do the meta, this is how this manifests. Because Echovald, again, has some amazing themes. The idea that what everyone has created together in Cantha, because of many different reasons that have driven them apart, it is the greatest strength of Cantha. It's technology, it's innovation, it's people, it's culture, the way that they have triumphed over conflict in the past. Um, And when facing new conflict, right, and a new threat that literally threatens to corrupt the the fruits of their labors, the actual, you know, incredible ways that they've revolutionized life when they come together, um, it suddenly puts into stark contrast for many of them how they have been, again, driven apart by the past and how they need to unite, how they need to come together to face this threat and take down, you know, this corruption in the junkyard, which is like the refuse of, um, you know, their societies, which they themselves are many times kind of considered to be the outskirts or refuse of society with 
um, the sort of gang themes and the reasons why people might turn to that. Although, of course, we have something slightly different with the speakers, which is really interesting. But again, you don't really get that as clearly. So I think that it would even have like a couple more cutscenes in those little areas to anchor you in then what you would kind of propel into with the rest of the story. Or even just as you explore the map for the first time, take some of those points of interest and let there be like a little side quest chain that pops up or something or a little cutscene when you first go into the village um, that just gives you a sense of the people in place. Um, we're so close. End of Dragon did some of the best cinematics, I think, cutscenes out of any of the expansions. But I think they can even push it further and it won't alienate players that are here for more of that action. You know, I think it would just enhance it. They could even just lean more heavily into the um, the triggered dialogues, the, the proximity triggered dialogues. Like it, it doesn't have to be a... Uh, cutscene, but if you're like you're a little jade bot, you're snooping on the jade brotherhood and you intercept messages that it starts playing so you can hear their leaders talking about okay, so this is going down, this is going to go badly, we gotta be prepared for it to go way sideways, you know, just because mm -hmm. uh, the cutscenes do, if you lean too heavily on them and it takes control away from the player in the game and leaves you feeling kind of out of your immersion but there's they've played with a lot of ways to give you that information already there's not many games that do that i guess is there really like they don't they really let you wander around and kind of gleam these extra bits um fornax what were you gonna say I, me for a while. I i i get the vibe remember when we first played um heart of thorns and um, we did dragon stand and there were only mm. three paths but there were more commanders at the end. So you had the um, Nightmare Court commander, you had a mm. Quagun commander, and those were stories that they wanted to tell, but their, their ambition exceeded their capacity. Mm. And I kind of get the feeling in Echo Val that that kind of happened, that, that coming into the, to the big meta map, to the, to the, to the, to the dragon fall map of its, if it, you know, onto Su where we, where we face Suwon, yeah. I feel like they just, the, 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 the rubber met the road and they had to decide what do we do? What do we keep? And then mm -hmm. the practicalities of actually making a video game and herding a million cats comes into play. And that's how I, I think that's what happened with the stories and with Echo Vox. As much as I like Echo Val and I think it's beautiful and cinematic it is I and and I love all the hidden dungeons and I love the interactions and everything and I love the allegory that that you know this the the, the captains of industry destroying the forest yeah that that those refuge dumps are literally uh, the the city poisoning the land all that technological advance in the city is at, at somebody else's cost and everybody's paying for it whilst a person at the top is reaping all the profits yeah I mean it's not exactly difficult allegory to make out is it mm. um but yeah i for all that i did not particularly like to be in that environment because it felt it felt like a million corridors and very oppressive and enclosed and the 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 narrative uh compellants of the characters their drivers were not clearly represented and it's one thing to have environmental storytelling but if i who loves the law missed the story going through then you need to you need to deliver it better um mm. 
because I, I, I know that I know, I know about the, the interconnected relationships of some of the characters, but that the playoff between these two factions, although it plays out in a big way, it's, it seems to be all bombast and no substance. It seems to be performative rather than than, than a visceral reaction. Um, what like a all... like an accompanying thing where it could have just been more impactful? Is that kind of mean? well? Well, I mean, so the, so they're they're at each other's throats, mm-hmm. and we see that viscerally everywhere we go. Right? Yeah. They're they're in combat, and they're in combat with us just for you know ex- daring to exist in their space, which is yeah, um, which is fine. But there's no there's when you get to the map and they're working together, when you get to the to the end map where we face Suwon and they're working together, mm. I was like, why, why, what, what happened? I did the meta, mm. I did the better, but there didn't seem to be that much unity about it. There didn't seem to be that much. There was there was not enough to kind of hang. They didn't provide the, the framework to hang the story on that they were trying to tell. But I mean, considering how much story they did tell. This is a this is kind of a like and we're, we're nitpicking around the edges. We're being pedantic right now, right? Um, but I, this, I would have this, liked. That's exactly what this podcast does. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure that that one counts as pedantic because no, it is a major a thing yeah. leading into this entire map that was a big deal. These people are at each other's throats, and for centuries they have been unable to work together, and then all of a sudden. Mm. Yes. And there's so much, like, there's so much. I agree with literally everything that you said, Crichton, because the Aquavault Forest is a map that I personally, like, there are so many parts of it I'm obsessed with. I love the Tengu Village is absolutely yeah. gorgeous. All the little hidden areas and the hidden, you know, religious sites and the little air, like places Vosberg you have to duck well. down and go through the thickets. And, yeah, and I, I think cool. it's the ruins are beautiful. Yeah. The ruins are just oh, yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. I don't want to take away from the artists. Yeah. It's, it, it's spectacular. Yeah, the there's tons of little lore. There's tons of incredible events. There's the fantastic um, god weapon. You know, there's all these things in it that are so cool. But I agree with you because if we just look at the narrative of Echo Vault. I can tell you, okay, there's a village full of Tengu. They live there. We've got the two, we've got the two groups. We I like have, fishing as well. That's we, we've got part. the, we have the, you know, um, uh, the Jade Brotherhood, who, as far as, you know, the narrative has conveyed to me, mm-hmm. is made up of people who felt that the restrictions and control of Jade technology as overseen by June's company we're not allowing them to explore the full capacity, be that even the risks or the, 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 you know, perhaps more experimental side of that technology that could come at great cost. Um, and so they wanted to use it for more of their own personal gains and develop the technology further and to push even beyond what social and or the governmental or the corporation kind of things believed were worthwhile investments of research in regards to that field so they Mm -hmm. wanted to have that and empower themselves with it and take control over it and do their own experiments in a place where they couldn't be directly controlled because there's that whole rivalry as well Mm. between the founder of jade brotherhood and june who used to work side by side and then split well remembered i forgot about that (laughs) well but here's the thing right 
These are tiny little things that I'm piecing together to try to give a sense of this narrative. Did I learn a single part of that by going to... No, not when I was in mm. Echo Vault. One of the things I think was most distinctive to me is that there's some NPC who talks about, I think in the city, who talks about how his sister is estranged and is a part of the Jade Brotherhood. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. what does mm. that have to do with the story? I don't know. It's just dialogue I remember. Mm. And then you get the speakers who I think were criminally underused this expansion, mm -hmm. <laughs> who I can't tell you, they're mad. They're mad that the Jade Winds made the forest petrified and that they think mankind is a threat to nature. True, lines done. Even though That's they have a history of be being men and or people who turned into protectors and wardens of the forest, but like, what is their role? Are they, like you pointed out, mm. Fornax, upset about the pollution and the junk that is now being dumped into the forest? no idea i want it's their true, leader to true. step on me but i don't know anything about her motivation <laughs> i except for lore that kind of ties back to guild wars one and i can't tell you like what why she is i mean she's probably mad at the jade brotherhood because they are in the forest and they're experimenting with technology and further messing up all this stuff right but again is any of this communicated to me and then the really big thing that i think you pointed out is if the whole narrative point of going to the Echovald forest was to escape because we were wanted right mm -hmm. but then ultimately i would assume to bring in new allies to the fight that are crucial for the final meta in in you know end of dragons then where is the moment where these factions, we understand why they were in conflict and then they reconcile and agree to work with us. Mm -hmm. We don't have those two points in the story. Like we don't, maybe we understand a little of their motivations if you do the meta and all kinds of other stuff and you really try and glean a bunch of things. But like, do we understand where they fit in larger Canton society? Do we understand like those relationships that I think are pivotal and supposed to be really important in providing their perspectives? Do we bring peace and resolution to them in a way that's clear cut and then justifies why they would help us in the end? No. And I think that is for all that I adore the end of Dragon's narrative. It is my favorite story portion, maybe except for living season four in the game. I think it's gorgeous and it does a lot of really phenomenal things. But Echo Vault feels like a huge gaping hole in this story. <laughs> Like you said, where it feels like there was supposed to be more, mm. but we just didn't, like, we needed some cutscenes. Because, Otter, while I agree with you in that, I think immersive narrative can be so important, having artistic control and direction over something like a cinematic cutscene brings clarity to tone, to characterization, to conflict and resolution, to all of these things that I think we lacked in Echo Vault. And then you know, maybe had a few stumbles on, although I think Minister Lee's narrative is perhaps slightly more strongly told in certain regards. Um, mm. But I think there are some stumbling blocks as we lead up to the finale, mm -hmm. personally. Can I, can I, can I proffer a fix if any ArenaNet writer is listening? Um, I think you can just do that in the show anyway. That's fine. Okay, fine. So... <laughs> You mean some some uh, some suggestions on how it yes. could things could so, have gone differently? Well, I mean, could have gone, could go. Let's. So, I don't think that. I think a cutscene would be beautiful. That would be great. But what I think that you could do is, when we go to do 
the the different factions when we go and we we infiltrate the brotherhood and when we go and we infiltrate the speakers you have an npc come and talk to you and one walk you through whilst discussing everything that's going on so you're a new initiate welcome this is what we believe in this is this is our thing and the conversations could be snippets of conversations as you're walking mm-hmm. past and it they could they could tell the story on the ground with just text even they could add it now they could add it next week if they if they have a a, a, a kind programmer yeah. it because it's just a, a follow quest with text explaining to you what's going on in both factions mm-hmm. and then after the 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 big battle they come to our hub to to Arborstone with Kunavang and we mediate we do the thing that we're supposed to be good at we lead we we negotiate we we could mm. bring in um we could bring in the Canthan representatives we could bring in Kunavang we we could have um uh, oh gosh why is her name escaping me jury and Cass there as ne- their negotiators and then then we come together and then we, we the player, understand that this is a place of negotiation. We're building it for, for Canthans on the ground, for the people, mm. not, the, not the powers that be. And then we understand the motivations going in to face Suwon as a, a united front allied together. Think, yes, that would true. be my solution. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Sorry. I, I suspect that the, exp- or the next living world is going to deal a lot with that conflict, and that may be why they didn't because they wanted to make it feel rushed like we weren't going to make things better we were just trying to slap a band-aid on the hemorrhaging world Mm -hmm. before moving on to the smaller problems of the jade brotherhood and the keepers and yeah because it really did kind of you know that ad with the the yes the patch that they slap on a tank that's really what that last rush felt like is the 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 world is the the void is hemorrhaging into the world in this great Mm. big gush and we're just frantically fighting our way through the flood to slap a patch on it and just have enough time to save that happens a lot in a lot of stories and a lot of movies as well specifically like that is a big thing that always it's like you know everyone it doesn't matter what you're doing over there because it's not going to matter because the whole world is just going to be destroyed so your argument is not going to mean much so let's do this thing and then we can sort that out later kind of thing and they kind of do it as they're running down the lanes they're talking there's a lot of banter like between the different and sides. A lot sometimes. Of, we're going to be back to enemies in a minute. Yeah, but. exactly. And then so so you're right. I think maybe maybe they will do that. And I, I think if they don't, I hope that's going to be that's going to be. I I actually I, I think they should. I don't know if they're going to. <laughs> I honestly don't know because they tend to move forward. They tend to move forward a lot. And in terms of there was a lot in the chat as well. And it's something. I think Rick wants to say something before I move on to this, but worth bearing in mind um, that was this a lot of nostalgia like going back for that reason? Like, you know, we're in Camphor, we have to go back to Echovold, we have to go to this place, we have to do this, that, the other. Like, was there a part of that where that maybe impacted how they told the story? Maybe it felt like they had to go back to the zones on these places in this expansion, otherwise... Maybe, you know, they didn't do it justice or something and that they had to kind of slot this stuff in. Like, I mean, it's just questions. I don't I don't necessarily believe these things. Um, I think it's just some stuff in chat where I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I mean, 
maybe by the way we're talking about things, maybe Echoboard didn't need to be in there. And was it just because of nostalgia that it was there? Nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm, I'm still yeah, confused I'm, by Arborstone. I mean, I'm just, I yes. don't understand why it's there. And I, it's I nice. It's lovely. It's beautiful. It's pretty. <laughs> there's, there's lots of things to like, but wh- why? I, think, <laughs> I mean, I think I've, it's funny. Okay. So I played Gilders on Factions, but I mm. didn't play it back in the past when everybody played it i i played it in recent years after getting into guild wars 2 and personally i for all that i have critiques about echo vault and narrative structure and things like that i did not feel like cantha as a setting was just a throwaway for nostalgia i think Mm -hmm. nostalgia is definitely a reason to put it in i i think that you know saying that just because it might hearken to players nostalgia somehow cheapens it to me doesn't feel particularly accurate either because Mm. nostalgia is powerful and Mm. i think we can all agree with that like places we've been before worlds we have connected with franchises that we buy every game for there's a reason that you know um we want to play even an mmo where we can take a journey that spans years of our life we want to have a connection and investment to something. Um, for me as well, I didn't feel that it was inappropriate because when we're talking about the dragons, we're talking about the, I mean, the creation of the world in many ways, right? And Cantha is in and of itself in the lore and in many other ways, the cradle, the womb of the world of existence of, you know, we've learned that obviously, but it also in more recent history, although this is still pretty ancient history, was literally the first place that humans created settlements Mm-hmm. interior so there are many things that happened in cantha that as far as like a full circle and a creation myth you know correlation kind of theme in the story that i think are appropriate to setting it here um now with that said i do think that even if you are going to tell a narrative right where otter like you pointed out maybe it's not about creating full peace and resolution maybe it is just like slapping the band-aid on and we're going i think there are still ways and possibly even in that scene i love what you said Crichton. i think that would have nailed like that would have been so good uh because i mean even just having that war room scene, right? Um, when we got Icebird Saga, we saw the Char Generals all, you know, at each other's throats. Like, even if you're going to tell a story where people are only working together for their own selfish reasons and because they don't want the world to actually be destroyed, um, you can even show that in a scene mm. where those factions just start, like, going at each other and you have somebody like the Commander or Tuan or Orin who intercedes and says, Shut up! Like, literally, it won't matter if we're all dead. So you have to work together. And that tension can even be an asset in the story. So I think Echo Vald maybe just didn't quite work for me, not because of nostalgia, but because I didn't artistically understand the greater way that they wanted to specifically use it in the narrative. Um, I I think the pieces are there. But again, if you're going to set it in this place of great history or stuff like Arborstone, right? I think there needs to be a very, like, reinforced narrative story beat about, like, you know, our traditions, our history, our past has divided us. 
but we can rebuild, we can hearken to those things, we can, you know, even restore this great cradle of history, which is Arborstone. But we have to understand that we all live in a world that shares various pasts, various conflicts, various divisions, various problems, but we cannot navigate forward unless out of that past we create something new. And, like, that's a good theme for me in there. Um, but I don't know if I think the narrative always fully supports that in the way it was told later. There are shining moments where we see that, but in Echo Vault specifically, I, I think maybe it's not as strong. I'm just puzzled at the amount of, clearly, the amount of resources and time and development effort that's gone into Arborstone for such a some seemingly limited use case, unless it's setting up for the seasons to come where we develop it further out. That would be my only thought. Do you remember do you remember the live stream for that? Do you remember it? The live stream for Arborstone? It yes. was like hours long. It was yeah. so long. I, I think Arborstone is the dev is the devs spending time on something that they really love about the game. I, I, I genuinely think that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it can be a little bit of a disconnection for us uh, specifically, but it's basically a new hub, isn't it? I mean, it's it's the eye yeah. of the north, right? That there is an expansion. Like they, were, they were trying to iterate forward on the um, Sunspear Sanctuary. Yeah, which and, yeah didn't work, <laughs> unfortunately. Which because well, it was very, it was good for a, you got to rebuild it a little bit, but it was never a hub, was it? Like I think they it had wasn't that intention. Located well. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah. It was you couldn't like a get anywhere living... from it. It was awkward. Yeah. I mean, I was wondering about this too That's recently, cool. and I think the biggest parallel that I could draw in my mind was that I, I had to stop thinking about things like Eye of the North and Arborstone being. I don't know, some massively pivotal thing. I mean, they are in certain ways, and our narrative of upgrading them is important. But when I started to think of them as just like, oh, they're an expansion hub. When you look at that in the greater scheme of all MMOs, mm. literally every MMO has an expansion hub or like a, a yep. portion of the game hub. You know, I mean, in 14, we always have one city where you can go to the trading post and one city where you can buy your tombstone and raid gear. And like mm -hmm. those hubs, you will spend a great deal of your expansion time just going back and forth between like buying your daily just, things, yeah. doing that. Yeah. Doing can daily I, can things, I, stuff in. Can I yeah. push back very gently against that and say that? For example, Final Fantasy XIV, that the city hub that we got to go to was a pivotal location in the story. It wasn't, it, and, and I don't see us getting a, a, a shit ton of quests spawning from Arborstone. Did I miss them? Post. I mean, if you think about where you went, though, so if you think about where the void was, I mean, there is a pretty big reveal in Arborstone. You could argue that maybe that isn't necessary, but I think they were guarding it, right? And that's where you find out about water dragons saying, like, you know, these dragons turning into humans. But I don't know if maybe that wasn't necessary there. I don't know. I mean, that, that's that's one hell of a cost to set a stage, right? <laughs> Why not? I'm, I'm, thinking <laughs> about I'm thinking about, like, because uh, it's always a balance so they've got yeah. this narrative that they want to fulfill they have a certain amount of time a certain amount of resources a certain amount of development that they can do and i'm wondering why they put so much into a feature that just seems to be a, like a heard, um, dirty word I... time sink 
Are you coming up with dirty word for time sink? I think it's... No, that, that, the, the dirty word oh, of it being a time sink. Oh, okay. Right? Rather, than, rather than something like Yeah, no, no, like no, but it's an MMORPG. Narrative. I mean, time sink's a thing. <laughs> they, just, they just exist. I, I think okay. it's a feature that players do like. Let me let me elaborate. In the sense that mm-hmm. building and customizing a base is not something that is like not desired in many genres or games. I mean, in 14, we have a few areas that are upgradable like that, like Domen Enclave, Ishgardian Restoration, those sorts of things. And they are their own like separate side content little thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like Guild Wars 2 wanted to combine both of those sorts of things and those kinds of concepts, um, similar to how in Assassin's Creed 2, you rebuild that one town that's your, like, return to kind of hub. Kind of like how in Dragon Age Inquisition, you rebuild the keep. Mm, um, and I, I cool. felt like the, the keep in Inquisition was a really great idea that also maybe fell short of manifesting in a really impactful way. Um, it's too big. But I think Guild Wars 2 tries to do that, where, you know, your hub is a place that you almost consider as a player to be not just like a city that the rest of the story Mm. took place in that you can't really affect, but is like a place that you can upgrade and take a journey with. You mean your home? Like a home for you? Like 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 a a camp? But not specifically a home. Yes, like a place where you set up shop temporarily and then Mm. had some kind of impact on the world. Um, But all of that said, I don't think that your critiques about like was this the best choice of that? Is that even something that we need? I think those are totally valid. Like, I absolutely do agree. I think Arborstone is gorgeous, and I'm not at all biased because my NPC is there if you upgrade it. (laughs) But I actually love Arborstone, and it's become one of my favorite hubs. But do I think they could have done something just as well in Kainang? Do I think that we even need that full upgrade mastery track if there were other areas that they could have worked on instead? No, maybe I mean, making I... giving us a some portion of abandoned Kainang because there's the whole drowned city that they're dredging up that we could have. Yeah, that would have been cool. I like that. That's, the, and... that's my favorite part about Kainang, to be honest. I get bored of I all w- the city bits after a while. I wonder, I wonder why they didn't. So, we've got all this wonderful tech in guild halls whereby you come in, it is a literal ruin, and you through your efforts and resources, you build it up and you get these beautiful, like transformational mm. cutscenes where that were so I'm wondering why they if they wanted us to have like an emotional connection to Arborstone, it that might have been a, a sort mm. of a good route for them to take. Have this existing technology. And you can have it instant so that different people see different stages as they enter it because it is a hub. I mean, they do, yeah, already, right? It is what they do. That's what they do. So the technology is there, and I would have been far more interested and invested to... Even if it, even if that was the entirety of the story, would be me putting my resources and time in to actually physically rebuilding this place rather than just spawning resources which are mundane to say the least. You know. Mm. I'm gonna. Sorry, guys. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> no? sway us back into an area of things we haven't talked about yet on the podcast as well, story wise, because <laughs> we actually have a lot to talk about because it is the sig- the biggie. The biggie parts of the story, um, I think, and this is a, this is why it's it's almost good that I guess the boots and crew aren't here because it's always good to get different people's takes on things. So sometimes, like, no, obviously, I would love them to be here, but like, you know, we all have different thoughts and ideas, and this is what's what's good about it. Um, 
What I'm hearing is I'm better than Boots, and I totally agree with you there. So that's okay, fine. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that. Ah, <laughs> uh, Fonax, you cheeky person. Um, <laughs> look at that grin as you did as you held the heart. There was that thing, and it was just like <laughs> my dastardly plans come to fruition. Uh, I have replaced Boots. Um, it's so, going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> what was I going to say? Okay, yes. And there's loads of talk in the chat about uh, Kainang and, and being a city. And, and I think there's there's so much more we can talk about. I think we're going to... I think I'll do a looking back at End of Dragons and uh, the different things we could, we could gleam and also get done, especially with guilds. Guilds is a big thing. Uh, I think we need to do another podcast on guilds and really flesh out how those systems could be better um is the word i'm going to use <laughs> we'll fleshed out. yeah fleshed out home instances housing stuff that the game is missing that could really you know cling those people on like hardcore like get them like get get them in the door and keep them um yeah. and that's another conversation so what i'm going to do is i'm going to shift us forward a little bit um, and we we fought Minister Lee. We're on the end of Dragon's story. This is where we're going now. And then we're going back to Seton Province. We go and see Suwon, and they are like corrupted by the void. They're in, we're in like the dream. I'm going to try and find the footage as well. So that's a little bit more helpful <laughs> rather than me just talking about it because it's good to have this uh, this bit of information. I'm currently looking at. God, there really is. As soon as I flick through this act, I'm like, there was Anka fight, there was Kanak, there was Minister Lee, there was all of this stuff like in one block. And I'm like, damn, this is just overwhelming just looking at it. Very fast-paced kind of scattershot, all these things just kind of thrown at us all at once. Yeah, and it makes me think I'm on the wrong video, but it's all in the same thing. <laughs> like, it's yes, all in the same... It really it's all in, like, 45 minutes, 50 minutes of, like, Cruz's video, and I'm just like, Jesus, really? That did it all happen then? Um, okay, yes. so this is where we are. This is the I, I have a question here. before we begin. Am Seth. I actually spitting into the mic? Is that a noise, or is that something else? It no, a... it's like spitting facts. It's like oh, a... It's right. like a... It's like a... <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. you're fine. You're good. You're good. You're good. So that, Thank like, you. they're saying you're like on fire. You're nailing it. You're you're spitting facts. Shit. You're spitting Thank you. <laughs> Lost in translation there. Sorry. It's okay. Um, <laughs> just got to be one of the cool kids for next. Okay. For next is just spitting everywhere. Too. Yeah. I didn't just know literally. It. It so like, awkward. Words coming yeah. out of my mouth. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> that that ship has sailed, guys. On the cool. I no no sadly not. You're cool to us. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> to someone maybe. Uh, to everyone. So we're in the dream or in uh, the palace, the mind palace, whatever it's called. Um, and we're actually fighting the void here as well. I think we've gone we've gone back to the same I think I'm not sure if crew moved this. No, yeah, they did. Um and then we're in the we're in the mine palace, we're fighting the void. That was exciting. Like that was different. It wasn't colourful and nice and lovely. It was uh literally Yeah. Not good. Like the void's there. Are we in? I what I can't remember is is this Suwon Suwon and Orina talking as well at the same time here. Mm-hmm. Um, We're just kind of watching the dialogue. Yeah. Okay. 
Orin asks Suon to fight. Okay, Void Suon replies, there is nothing left to fight. Okay, cool. Because they like, prob not, not okay, cool. But like, you know, I think by this time we know that kind of Suon is, there's not really much hope for them right now, right? And that we have mm-hmm. to, because I think throughout the story, it, even, and I think they do well with this, is that they always put this hope into you that Su Wong might be okay, <laughs> right? Like, that it might be okay. Like, there might be this little, you know, in those soup, it, it, I, this reminds me of the CW for some reason, because their stories are very cheesy sometimes. Um, and there's always like, no matter what happens, we're going to be able to be okay, right and i like that guild wars 2 doesn't do that because i would just be mad um but also there is just that it does instill the hope in you that maybe you know they will be okay and everything will be fine um there's, there's little snippets of hope and i think Aureen is always very hopeful just in their natural in their being they're just always this beacon of light they literally are and then throughout the entire story the entire games like while they've had a voice more specifically and they're always very hopeful about the good and, and what's coming up. So She has to learn that. She has to learn she that does, in season yeah. four because true. she faces despair. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, her narrative through that is to true. face it regardless. And then, you know, ultimately her hope is her one, which I think is a really mm-hmm. beautiful detail about Orin. Mm-hmm. Also, being immortal, super handy, right? Yeah. That I mean, would take yeah. a, a shit ton off my mind if I was immortal. That would be amazing. <laughs> no, it's a good point. That is a good point as well. Like learning, having to learn that lesson is important as well. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. Um, and no, being immortal would be an incredible burden. Like that, that would be pretty rough. I know it'd take a while to be a burden, though, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. It'd take a while. <laughs> Just one lifetime. These are the kind of problems that you have that I would like to have to deal with. You know, that's. that's I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you go and watch the Sandman, there's a character and there's a storyline in there which is great. That's all I'm going to say. Orin's only what eight years old at this point, or she's six. She's young. Mm. What dragon years? Compared to human years, though. In dragon years, it's a like dog years? Like, you know, nine... How many dog years is it? Well, they say nine years to one of our years. I don't know. I can't oh, don't say that. My dog's 14. Oh, no. It just means they're old. That's all. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. Like, but, um... Yeah, Suwon has been corrupted, and I think... The, I, I felt that was a book, too. It's unfortunate. I, well, no, I mean, it was, it was sad. I figured we would have to actually kill her, because it is End of Dragons, yeah. you know what I mean? But... <laughs> wow, Rookery is, like, going for the links here. We must kill her. If I don't kill a dragon in this story, I will be sad, and it must be Suwon, and it can't and it's be a ring. not living up to the title. <laughs> like, wow. Know me, I don't want them all to be dead. I was livid. I was <laughs> livid. I did not want to have to kill her, but I yeah. figured that for this new dawn, this new era, for Orin to take her place, this was probably going to happen. My big worry was whether or not Orin was then going to get corrupted and we were going to have to kill Orin. That was my big worry at this point. Uh... But it is, I mean, I think it's very tragic because there is a sense of hope, right? Like you said, that maybe there will be something that we can do, that if Orin can just come into her power, and is able to somehow do this if all of us together can you know turn back this tide mm-hmm. um i mean that's really the hero's struggle right you know despite terrifying odds to have the hope and will to fight for a chance that you can find victory or you can save someone or you can save the world right so i was hoping 
that maybe we could, but also it felt pretty dire at this point. So yes. Okay, so now now things are dire, as Rickery says. Um, and we actually go back to Kainang and we go and see June because we're working on the extractor device, right? That's what we're trying to do. I, I lost a little bit of what was going on here. I forgot why June was so annoyed at the commander um, because I remember this being a main feature of this because time is still in the good books but brought the commander in and well, June was point, not happy to see the, the commander. commander had said, we're out of time, we can't make the extractor, we have to kill your your That's friend right. and power source and That's the thing right. that has allowed you to rise to greatness. We have to destroy it all. No more trying to save it. That makes sense why she may be upset. And we, <laughs> That's the we reason. Were want, we were wanted for something. When we left Kainang and fled to Arborstone, it's because we were like no we, longer welcome there. We were, we were blamed for Anka's, We were blamed for Anka's crime. Right, mm-hmm. destroying the yeah. reactor. Yeah. Yes, post, there it is. There it is. Post, there it is. Post, yeah. Uh, and yeah, the things. I believe that at that point, uh, June still believed that. Yes, yes. That we were yes. just there okay. deliberately destroying everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, well, for whatever abuse. reason, whether it was that we thought, yeah, she was, you know, abusing Suwon or whatever it was, we had chosen to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, she had so, all the probable cause. Yeah, I actually will say. June's estate and this next story beat. I love this part. I love this part. I loved it so it's much. So good. And the okay. storytelling with her as a character, like we talked, we were just talking about how certain characters felt underutilized. Part of that, I think, is just the nature of the massive and actually really interesting and wonderful and colorful cast they introduced mm. in the expansion. But for all of that, for all of that critique that we had, June, I think, is one shining example of this expansion where her character, you take such a journey with her. And then to literally go into her home and like as you're doing these riddles and as you are trying to figure out, is she just like a huge jerk? Is she like corrupt yeah, and awful? True. You're each is sounding she, each like... other out, really. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to have that tension as you literally invade her home and like you're I did everything i wanted every single i did all the puzzles all the riddles i unlocked the kitchen i found her partner and her daughter and like it's so awkward as you stand there in the kitchen like they're just like having pancakes and they're just like who are you i'm not here to kill you i swear but like i really need to talk to your wife and he's like oh yeah she's hard to talk to but i mean you know <laughs> i love that he's just like he's so sweet and kind and empathetic and i love june's character because again the amount of times i think in anything where i have seen a woman who's like a brilliant inventor who's a major powerhouse who is characterized in many ways that we very often see like the tony stark character character kind of yeah not the yeah, whole yeah. playboy element but you know what i mean this like tech mm-hmm. mogul that has you know One this great power and is misunderstood and yeah yeah i i was so worried that they were actually going to pivot and turn her into the villain by the end because it's so easy to villainize so, I'm trying to think of a way to put this. She was a woman. She was in power that she had clawed to get to. Yeah. She was um she was very scientifically minded, which can in in media be portrayed as cold and calculating and evil. 
And mm-hmm. so there were so many points where they could have just pivoted and made her evil. But no, she she was driven and aggressive and those didn't have to mean she was the bad guy. I think a lot yeah. of companies do that though, don't they? You know, this this betrayal of women like in this role of like, you know, to get they must be bad if they're in power. Like there that is a classic trope. That is a yeah. classic trope. Especially eighties yeah. and nineties huge even to na- even now you know it still yeah. is um and it's not like a woman with ambition and drive yes. who's willing to do what needs to be done mm-hmm. has to automatically be like those are undesirable bad. traits it's bad. In, like, exactly and yeah. then you know yeah. you watch That's all it. these other things like mad men and it's like okay yeah. well everybody's rooting for it here so i don't get like what the issue is you know yeah and oh, i did mad find men. that I found that mm. really refreshing mm-hmm. and I loved like not only her voice actress's performance, but like those details in her home where you see her genius, but also her love, her compassion, her connection with her daughter. Like she's a mother, but she's not like motherly in a sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Her yeah. husband. You can is... be a mother without being the like yes. the classic homemaker in the house doing yeah. crafts. Yeah. Yes, it was. You can be supportive in so many ways, and it was Mm -hmm. just—it was so good to see. Sorry. No, no, I'm like just as excited. (laughs) No, you don't. Keep going. Keep going. I loved her character, and like you literally fight through her defenses, you know, to get to this final room. And I loved those beats where you're like, "Jude, stop it! Oh my God, stop it! Like, stop sending these like stupid dumb robots at me, Dune. Just talk to me. Like, just talk to me about your feelings." Oh my gosh, please. (laughs) And it was such effective storytelling. And then when you get those moments where you learn from her, like Suwon was not just a mega battery. She cares about Mm. her as an entity. She cares. And like, yes, does she also care about technology? Does she also care about Kantha? Yes. Does she also care about her? You're allowed to care about many things. Yes. Like, and I loved that because like, she is so desperate. She is... She is so desperate to hold on to that hope. I can save her. I can put this together. We can put, we can fix it. We can get it back. And I, I loved that. I thought her story beats were some of the shining points of the expansion. So well done. So well told. Can can I play devil's advocate? Absolutely. No. So, and so. You quit. I'm, you're damn. fine. Damn. <laughs> Go on. Fine. You're fine. Um, so. I like June. I like the character. I like the paradigm shift. Turnabout is definitely fair play. Absolutely. I like that. Mm. Um, I was I was raised by a woman quite like that. But I will say that she she is quite happy to reside over a, a, a dominion of massive income inequality, which is one of the things that the Jade Brotherhood was pushing back against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the schisms between her and her, her protege partner was that she wanted it to be exclusive. He mm. wanted it to be inclusive. And in the story, when you're down on the street, there are J, there are there are brotherhood tech that the the the, the lower echelons of the leftovers of society yeah. have to use because they can't afford her tech. So she mm-hmm. is not as beneficent as as um as she possibly could be and i it would be nice to mm. see her 
have a, a, a realization rather than an Elon Musk moment where, you know, Jesus, Lord, mercy. But I think it's where... difficult to tell that story, isn't it? Like, because if it sounds it like is. you're trying to, you, it, this doesn't sound like anyone that exists on our planet, honestly. I mean, I can't think of many people other than maybe Musk. massive tech and moguls who try to influence and pr- create some change without putting out products, which, you know, people can't get access to. So they can, because of where they are. I don't think there's anyone. I mean, that's a very, it could be difficult to tell that story. I don't know. I think she's an allegory for Elon Musk or perhaps the Elon Musk who might have been. <laughs> she's not that bad. He... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sorry, no, though, you're assuming that, 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 you know, he is bad. No, I don't so... want to start calling people bad people, but, you know. In, in, in general terms, he wants to, to autom- he wants to automate society and electrify yeah. it so that we're all in electric cars. Yeah. Very good idea. He also wants to make sure that we don't have all our eggs in one basket, so he mm-hmm. wants to colonize off-planet. Mm-hmm. Entirely, the only thing that we can do if we want to propagate our species beyond this planet and also avoid you know, the cataclysmic end by an asteroid, 100% correct, right? Mm-hmm. Guy's not fucking about. He's right. Yeah. Is he a complete tool? Yes, of course he is. Yes. It, she's almost like a conglomerate of different things. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. And I actually, I love that she's not utterly benevolent because yeah. this is by nature. And I think it's a very pointed commentary, like you're saying about the fact that just just like you brought up, if you have this massive power, if you have massive wealth, if you control the flow and release of technology just by nature for your own self-gain, for your company's self-gain, you are gonna, there's going to be a lot of gray there. You know what I mean? There are going to be great things that do benefit society, and there are going to be entire ways that you have shut people off to vital resources that are more and more and more becoming a part of what you need to navigate or exist mm. in the world, right? It's, um, it's the nature of capitalism. If you are yeah. making yeah. a huge amount of money, somebody else is paying for that. Yeah, somebody and down the line is paying for that. And like, I think the big difference between her and Elon Musk is the fact that I actually know somebody who used to work at Tesla, and some of the stories that he would say about when like Musk came in on some whim, it was like ridiculous. <laughs> Like, I, I can Musk, imagine, yeah. I, I mean, imagine. Musk is in many ways completely out of touch beyond all belief. And also, like, I don't truly believe, although maybe I'm horribly misspeaking, but in and of himself is not a genius. Like, no. whereas... 100% not yes, a genius. Like, there were some, you know, mentions of Bill Gates and stuff like that in the chat. I think June is almost more of a hybrid in that she is very rational. She is in and of herself, I think, very brilliant. So she has a vision and she has intelligence um, to, I think, manifest that vision. She herself was also born into a role that's kind of ambiguous. The idea of almost being like a bastard child. We saw with Togo that that didn't make him completely horribly out of touch with you know the common people but i agree with you in that there are complexities to her character that i would like to see the narrative confront Echovald, the jade brotherhood that gap we've talked about i think would have been a crucial crux of that even mm. yao if yao had had some more moments to confront her you know he admires and and loves her or they admire and love her um but th- they're there has to be, you know, there has to be some kind of conflict there at some point in the thoughts of, again, how are we making this technology accessible? Or is Yao themselves 
part of how June is doing that by even bringing in reformed people, reformed criminals to learn to have access to this technology to be able to propagate it in a sense. Did June learn something from the fact that her partner left her after everything that happened? We don't know. Like, that's the big problem, I think. So I think she's a fascinating character, but not without reproach. Yeah, 100%. I think it's an interesting narrative there that they can pull because there are, the, the, there's talk at the end of the story, sorry, jumping ahead here, that, that she wants to propagate out Jade Tech to all the other cities, all the other world, all over the world. And I'm 100% for this. I don't like the idea of these static maps that, that the non-map, the non-city must only ever look like the non-city. If it's a living, breathing city, it should reflect what's happened. So there should be JTEC, there should be different people there, there should be there should be change and evolution. And even if it's 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 um, staged and masked off, so this part of the city changes only after you've done this point in the story, you know, that mm. I would love to see that kind of... So it feels more like the living world that they have been desperate to 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 kind of create all these years i would love to see that kind of like they did in um with icebrood saga with uh, drizzlewood coast where you progress further deeper into the map as you progress the story yeah that was really cool and i i loved the the way they did that because it made it it let you progress and change and push through but it was all the same map in the end and just really tied the story together brought it from the episodic feel when you look back on it and made it the story of this place in the world. Yeah. I also really liked about this story beat. Um, I mean, I would love to see the the future with Jade Tech. And we've had little, like, mentions here or there, you know. Well, maybe at some point Jade Batteries will be around the world or things like that, which I, again, think would be really cool to see how that dynamically affects things. Because, yeah, the world has changed drastically and no culture is within a perfectly isolated bubble right like we live and influence each other and technology disseminates and how it's integrated into you know different places is different as well and how you know different cultures or people respond to that is different too so i'd love to see what the world could do with this new era of theoretical peace um but very specifically to june's like this story beat with june I also really liked, I think, just with this, that this story beat felt so supported by many different things. Like the fact that even when you're first on Setang Island, um, there are mentions, right, about how, oh, yeah, in the past it had this history, but now a lot of wealthy people live here. Mm. <laughs> it's like, this is almost like their country estate or something, you know? And then mm. lo and behold, when you come back to this moment with Jude, where do you go? You go to Setang and there's her estate and it's this place that you've kind of seen even, you know, above all the other kind of houses mm. with the, all these defenses and all this other stuff. So um, I just thought this story beat worked so well. It's Martha's Vineyard, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> you look puzzled. It's a rich... It's an island where rich people go to be rich people. Yes. I was just going to be quiet and let it go. I don't know what that was either, so... okay. I I could get the, like... I got the the general gist. But, yeah. Oh, there we go. This is what... Sorry. I was like, I was like, I just got a little bit of what was happening here. So in June's set, I'm going to push you through this stuff because we are really not getting very far, <laughs> which is fine. I'm loving the conversation. Um, but I'm going to push this forward. I'll be right back while you do this. That's okay. 
Um, so June instance, uh, there was all of the the puzzles, which are very very cool. There was a lot of puzzles in there. There was a lot, like it, moving the battery powers, and then the platforms and everything like that. Um, and then you had to supply the evidence to June, which I actually, actually completely forgot. So you had to actually get to like her office. <laughs> when you like popped in the evidence i can't remember what the evidence was specifically or, or what it was but like and then this chest kind of appears back up in her office it was just very cool like i was like damn this place is massive and this is what you did with it <laughs> like, you've got these platforms and all this kind of stuff it just reminded me of like old school i don't know like older games for some reason they're just all of these different platforms and you get into this boss and you're in a house i don't know it's kind of uh it's just very cool um so where are we let me think was uh, it the evidence that my train had got for us i think so yeah i think so yes yeah I, I yeah i believe so i also liked the design in this house as well because it um again drew i think on some of the inspiration sources that my most of my knowledge on this topic comes specifically from traditional japanese housing um and homes uh the idea of like modular multi-purpose rooms mm-hmm. uh where you oftentimes have like the almost like closets on the wall where various pieces of furnishings or like you know different setups mm-hmm. and arrangements for the room um are stored and then at various points of the day you might take those out change them um or if guests were over things like that so to see this kind of um future even though obviously there's a lot of inspiration from korea um and other you know cultures within kantha as well i thought this was such a brilliant way to almost realize the future and still hearken upon certain parts of like a you know traditional kind of sensibility mm-hmm. that she has these platforms and these things and like the the room stuff that all flips and changes i thought that was such a cool uh vision of like a future a futuristic kind of style and inspiration mm. okay. I hadn't even thought of that. yeah I hadn't even thought of that it looks like my sofa's just got here <laughs> great timing um i'm trying to think of something we can talk about for like the next 20 minutes to maybe half an hour while i'm not here i mean we could talk about heading on to that final map i i mean i feel pretty good like we've covered most yeah. of the story with your house i don't know if everybody else does, moving but... from here to to the next map bit um let me think where are we so there's a this is a bit where june and timey kind of they start, they, they've got a lot of similar life goals, it felt like, like, you know, different ways in their stories, very similar life paths. And they kind of, in the end, you know, we make friends with June <laughs> and they're going to help us. But there was a lot of still like this, even up until this point, there was like, she is like set on making sure that the future is set. Like they're going to be okay with batteries. They're going to be putting the dragon back in the machine and everything's going to be fine. And the commander doesn't want to do that. This is not possible. And then there's this kind of little cutscene. I'm gonna I'm gonna transition it to the cameras because I don't want to go on some weird ads and stuff while I'm away. Um, but yeah, if you want to think about going, even just the start, it's called extraction point. It's the final act. Um, and there was the first and- person you meet called Saba, who was wicked. I I did want to plant that into your head. If you remember, Saba was like the big was part of less like fan club or like part of um I can't remember what it was called. What was it called? The, cri- duh, 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 duh. the crystal blue crystal blue yes <laughs> yeah fan club is that yeah, in florida fan it. club you like, know what i mean like, like well the, the way they behave yeah it was the That's, way it behaved yeah it yeah. was the way it behaved i think yeah. 
um but then filtering into the events how about talk about the events and just the map in general do you want to talk about that that's there's a lot you can talk about there and then i can come back in for the story bit sound good Mm -hmm. awesome right i'm going to be back as soon as possible legends so events you come to the map for the first time oh how did you feel about the map events and actually doing that whole fight and all the things in the map good yeah yeah i, I feel bad leaving i feel bad but i have to go get my stuff so. oh, I, I do want to see a picture of the completed sofa just you know no, 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 it's yeah, in so boxes there's like four boxes outside the main building but it's outside okay. on the okay. road so i have to go <laughs> get it good luck have fun <laughs> Oh, his poor hip. Oh, jeez. Uh-huh. I'm like, don't, don't. Poor old man Jabro's going to have to get those couches in. I hope he's okay. Uh, and doesn't no. hurry too much. Because yeah. it's when you hurry that you hurt yourself. Yeah. Can I, yeah. Can I ask you ladies a question before we dive into the map? How, how, mu- how happy are you with the amount of time that we got to spend with Suan before the map? Oh, this was a big point of contention on the podcast last week. Ooh. It was brought up by both uh, Boots and Kroof that mm. uh, I think they both felt that we didn't have enough time with Suwon. And it's, it's tough because I think looking at what they did and what they had, the proportional amount of story beats and everything there, I think that they did give us enough to at least follow this through. I... I I do feel like we got good moments with her, and I do feel like what we got was solid, and I think her voice acting also does a phenomenal job of that. She's just so beautiful. Like, she's so beautiful, and there's such a warmth to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, though, that I do feel like Su Wan could have been with us for a whole other expansion. and that have survived this. Yes, and that would have probably benefited much more the connection. She is such a pivotal character to be the literal foundations that the world was built upon. It's massive. And I wish at the very least that we had had a moment with her where we had found her before she fully loses her senses Mm -hmm. and just been able to speak with her, gotten that dialogue about her hatchlings and the other dragons, gotten all of those story beats and or something relevant with, uh, you know, um, Orene, where she's learning from her and we're seeing an actual relationship really start to form between them as Mm -hmm. individuals. Poor Suwan, who watched all of her children lost to this corruption, who finally can speak to another dragon that isn't, you know, a, a direct descendant of hers that is still in control and has been through so much and that they could actually speak in this way, I think would have been much needed. I don't feel like, again, I don't feel like it was a complete failure, but I do feel like we could have used a bit more time and some major mm-hmm. things from her. I think kind of like repeatedly we see Arena Net. <laughs> Funnily enough, their characters are almost too fleshed out. There's almost too much story to tell and they don't, slow down and savor what they've got because if if they did what i kind of wish they did we would not even have gotten to cantha yet we probably would barely be out of heart of thorns but they have so many stories they want to tell and so many very developed characters and so much that that they just kind of barrel through to just get through the story because they want to keep it moving keep it moving always but 
this could have been another one of those moments where we could have slowed down and we could have spent some time with her and we could have had or at least let Oreen report back about the time that Oreen is spending with Su Suwan, you know? I, I would have happily traded our time with Mitren for Suwan. Mm. Not that I have anything against her story. I thought it was very interesting. I liked yeah. that that it showed a human side to this character that has been very traditionally villainized because mm -hmm. of what happened. It's in part of the nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Um, as, as, as sort of a, a minion of, of Scarlet Briar, and I, I really, I, I liked her. The fact that there was some vestige of not necessarily redemption, but humanization for mm -hmm. her. I liked that. But I would much rather have had a journey. As I said, I think I think I said this the last time we talked about Ender Dragons. If they want to murder characters and they want me to care, they have to give me enough time with them to care. Or yeah. nut up and top tie me. Just, you know, just do it. Just do it. If you you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just kill someone like I still remember Air's death. It had impact and it yeah. had consequences mm -hmm. and it was a real gut punch. It was a real gut punch and the betrayal that, that, that led to it set up the story perfectly for an antagonist who we really hated. No, nobody, was, nobody was hoping for Fowlin to be okay after that point, right? And they, put, they, they did it perfectly well. So they can set up a, a gut punch like that. And they did it with Aureen, but they, do, they, they, they didn't linger on it long enough, I think. I would have had mm -hmm. us like hanging by our nails for, for at least one, one, one or two Living World episodes while we got our shit together. Um, like you said, drawing out that tension, drawing out the, the, the kind of agony, because that's we're here for it. We want them to torture us and we want them to tell us stories that we care about and that we have an emotional impact for. So mm -hmm. I was so sad that... We got this beautiful, extraordinary, exotic character, exotic character, and we got half a conversation with her before she got attacked by an, another NPC who we've only just been introduced to. Who we, who we, we I would have liked to have got to know Anka. She's interesting, yeah. um, and then we're, we're off. We're, we're, it, it felt like um, like the treadmill was going too quickly, and I was I was struggling to kind of narratively keep emotionally up. almost yeah. keep up yeah yeah i i think all of that is a very fair observation to be honest i mean oh otter you put it so well there this world and one of the things that i love one of the things that makes me love guild wars 2 so deeply is the fact that there is so much consideration for so many different details, even on the smallest level. Characterization, world building, the different things they bring to the table with the different zones, races, points of the world, fantasy lore, magic. There is so much in Guild Wars 2 that is phenomenal and on a totally different conceptual level than many other games. And it's one of those things where it's like, yes, I always want more. And I love that there is such a huge sandbox of ideas and concepts and characters here so that this world feels as massive and as epic as it is. That is one of the greatest strengths of this game, but it is also one of the greatest weaknesses because 
when you are telling a story like this. And even in End of Dragons, I felt like they took their cinematic narrative to another level. And even that level wasn't big enough to encompass what they had put into this. Because we have so many fascinating characters. We have this whole new world that's new and old. So, you know, obviously they're having to fill in some blanks about the history that's happened in it. We we had a cast that was so brilliant. And I totally agree with you, uh, Fornax, in that I really liked my trend story. And I was, you know, praising last week the moment with her apartment. And that kind of storytelling I thought was so moving and so beautiful. But do I also simultaneously absolutely agree with you that we could have completely cut like cut my trend cut i mean i don't want to lose yao as a character but like cut yao cut uh you know whatever else cut minister lee cut <laughs> like could we have cut a lot of that and still kept some of these anchor points throughout the narrative and instead devoted a character arc to suwon like made her the crux of the backbone. It's unfortunate because we had almost immediately come from June's culminating story moment, right? Which I thought was phenomenally done. But when you look at Su Wan's character arc in comparison, I honestly think that June's was the strongest character arc of all of End of Dragons. But how does that tie into Su Wan? How does that tie into or read i mean obviously there's a literal connection in that she was part of the machine and blah 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 and jade tech right which yeah, is important but... For but yes like where is suwan's arc characters like navan would have shown in regards to what's the arc we're giving suwan specifically mm. what are the ways she's connected to the world what can her relationship be with orin that orin never had with her own mother that Orin never had with those she reached out to, with the dragons that she never wanted to kill and consume, but who from the moment of her birth, because of this prophecy and whatever else, you know, had been after her. What does it mean for her in this world? If they had, like, cut everything else and only focused that narrative, I think the emotional payoff, the absolute agonizing tragedy of having to kill Suwon... The voice line she has anyway, like the voice line she has anyway in that final battle are so well de delivered and so heartrending as she like cries out to you. But if you think about if they had really honed in on this expansion and really made it that narrative, I think it would have been tenfold as devastating, <laughs> you yeah. know? I mean, I'm fascinated by Kunavang. I loved her in the original story. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to feel the narrative impact of us actually having to kill corrupted sea spray dragons, but but it's mm -hmm. not there because we're not given the narrative thread. I would have, put, from a personal point of view, I would have much happily come into the expansion exactly as you said, following Suwon, following her story, following her relationship with her champion. We could have, we could have been at the side of Kunavang all the way through learning about the different races because she's there. She is literally the guardian of the realm. She could have introduced us to all these things. And then we could have had June's plot unfold in the living world that connects us to the next expansion because, because of all the consequences of Suan's death. So we could have still had this wonderful CEO, interesting character with Su with, with uh, June and mm. Suan's impact be what it, I think it should have been. But yeah, I guess 
I always sound like I don't like Guild Wars. I love Guild Wars. I, do I really the same. do. Where it's just because, okay, another back to the salt sprays where, you know, this may be partially my failing as the player, not, you know, as we do blasting past things and missing dialogues or the fact that I never played Guild Wars one. So I don't know a lot of the things that they're referring to. But it did not even occur to me until like my fifth time playing the last meta. What a big deal it was that we were killing a salt spray dragon in every stupid lane. Like, yeah. I didn't understand that this is the last of a fading race of dragons that was a big deal. And now I'm never going to get to know what a big deal a were because they're all gone because I just killed them. Yeah, and there is and... a fantastic little bonus quest, but you have to, like, put two and two together, and Kunavang talks about the other last of her kind, and after you even finding that, that quest, you have to find him. But again, it's like, there's, I again, just, like, pull our attention to that even more directly, or even have us encounter several, like, when you first come onto the map um, for the Jade Sea, uh, it would have been so great if you were trying, like, you know, the corruption hadn't completely, or Suwon is, like, under the water and it's starting to seep up and you start to, like, connect with some of the other salt spray dragons or you get, like, a, right? And then you see them corrupted and have to kill them. Mm. It's like, Make I can care. totally see how there would be a gap. Cause... Show me that they're sentient. Yeah. And that they're I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yes. And they played a massive role in Guild Wars 1. Um, and Kunavang actually helps you save Kantha at that point and, like, give you, gives you her magic and gives you, you know, um, her mm -hmm. empowerment. Uh, so, it, yeah, I can see how you, you would not get any of that. I mean, I am obsessed with dragons, so I knew a lot about the Salt Spray dragons because they were an area of interest to me. But for most people who didn't, I think, yeah, there is a bit of a, a confusion there. I don't know. I, I just feel like, I feel like they, I feel like the narrative team spent their resources in the wrong places. Not that they didn't tell great stories, not that they yeah. weren't compelling, not that I didn't care and love the characters that they created. I absolutely did. But considering that the expansion name is End of Dragons, and what percentage of the story was about the dragon? That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, Although, it's, I mean, they, they've done it before with, like, Path of Fire, where we take this entire diversion to, to go explore Joko, and it leaves you kind of wishing the whole expansion were about Joko instead of a stray god. Oh, it's They've done this. Like, <laughs> it, Don't. I really do too think... Soon. It, <laughs> always oh, too soon. Always too soon. I really do think it is kind of what we're talking about, because it's funny you said, I really swear I love this game. Um... I think everything that you always love the most, you yourself will oftentimes be the most critical of in a sense, because mm -hmm. there are so many things that excite you and make you so passionate and you want to see it all and you want to do it all and you want to feel it all and the emotional impact you know is there. And really, Guild Wars 2 has a brilliant writing team. I mean, to even be able to juggle the sheer amount of characters, nonsense, multiple planes, the mists, the humans from outer space, the <laughs> different races, the history of the planet, all the dragons, everything else. In many ways, this world, I am truly, genuinely, really, honestly grateful that they don't try to rein it in 
in many regards, because I think we see a scale and scope, a hybridization of science fiction and fantasy in this world that is so massive and somehow, even despite our critiques, continues to hold together. <laughs> and like, like I'm still playing it. <laughs> yes, and continues to make sense. And like there are always going to be areas in this world that we want explored more. There are always going to be things within that, but they do a phenomenal job with what they have. And in the case of End of Dragons, I genuinely love this expansion. Like, mm -hmm. genuinely, I think it's one of my favorites. The cutscenes, the moments we got, just like you said, are brilliantly told. Now, is there something to be said about honing in to really optimize your emotional impact of very specific things in your world? Yes. Will we ever 100% see that from Guild Wars 2 when it's a massive world that provides so much to people like a giant buffet, but may not specialize in like one specific, incredibly perfected dish that is, you know, the only thing they offer, but so well polished and so well done. Like, I don't know. But I think they've been constantly trying to refine how they tell stories while still creating this sprawling tapestry of the of a world. Um... It's extra tough because I think with within MMOs, you never know how many more expansions you will have to tell a story and or, you know, you don't want players to get bored with something. And when you're coming up on 10 years of this being the crux, I think there probably was a lot of pressure, even mm. from the base, like, let's be done with the dragons. And I think in many regards, a lot of the things that players, you know, have been like, oh, I didn't feel like we got enough time with Jormag and Primordus. I didn't feel like this, 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 and this, right? At the same time, those same people oftentimes were the ones most vocally that were just like, can we just do something other than the dragons at this point? Like, what's the future of the story? And 10 years in, that's fair. You probably do want some new narratives. So I think a lot of what we're feeling with the dragons might kind of come down to some of that. Um, does it mean that I don't still absolutely love parts of this? I absolutely love this expansion, but there are other areas where I think, again, the story could have been told more robustly, and I w would have loved to see them have that opportunity. Suwon's definitely one of those. The final map is so fun, and I adore the meta, and I think there are mm -hmm. beautiful spots on it, um, but it does also feel like, again... There, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. There could have been like f five to ten more story beats that happened mm -hmm. to really unfold it to us between Echo Vault and then into Jade, Jade C. Jade C feels like it's maybe one of the most underdeveloped because its focus is all on that final Meta. action, which it serves well. But yeah, it's again we could have used more for sure. <laughs> You kind of you were saying how they wanted to to move on and not tell a dragon centric story, but I think that that helter skelter rush towards being finished with the dragons is part of what undermined the non dragon stories they had to tell. Yeah, and the dragons. Mm. You can let the, the the epic dragon be the backdrop to this country that is struggling to redefine themselves and and shake off paranoia and fear of change instead of making that be okay let's be done with your little troubles let's go kill a dragon mm -hmm. yes because <laughs> they're not little troubles and they didn't have to be hi hey Jeb, welcome back how's the couch oh 
Uh, it was two bo- It was only two boxes. They were taller oh, no. than me, and I'm six yep. two. And they were like one was almost seven foot. So I had to get it for a door, and they weighed like thirty five kilograms each. So there's me on my own, like an absolute idiot, like on the street, just like pulling these boxes along the floor, hoping no. that they're not broken from me doing this. And I'm just like. <laughs> Oh, I've got to get this in my apartment. I should probably close this place. This is me just like pushing things aside. Now there's just two, six, <laughs> like seven foot boxes in my in my living room. And I have to put my sofa together after this. So that's definitely happening tonight. There's no way I could just Check leave around. that on the side. See if there's like anybody with kids in your complex or at nearby. When we got our couch, we gave them the boxes from the couch and they made it last like three months. Oh, and wow. had so much stinking fun with that box. Yeah, these boxes are the bigger most people's apartments, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, ah, okay. So how, so how was the conversation? How would, where did we get to? You were talking about the events and just hanging out and doing the things? Nope. You did oh, it? No, no we didn't talk about that. Oh, sorry. Two about seconds. I'll be right back again. Oh, okay. Let's, let's really quick. Let's talk about the events. <laughs> I'm back again. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter if whatever you talked about, I'm sure it was great. What did you talk about? Just give me a little bit of a... We were talking... uh, (laughs) Fornex posed posed the question that we even were talking about last week Mm. a little bit. Did we feel as though we had enough time with Suwon before reaching this final map? Ah, okay. We were discussing that, and uh, Otter was mentioning as well that even characters like the Saltspray Dragons um, felt like they weren't fully manifested in regards to like the draconic storylines and themes. So we were kind of talking about that and how they balanced the narrative overall up to this culminating point where you face Suwon. Okay. Cool. I will play this. I will put there. Good job. I will play this. You're very good at this. Oh, wow. Sorry. You're really good at like recounting the story. I wonder if it's something you've done before or like Mm. recounting events that have happened recently. It's almost um, as if you have some experience there. Yeah, almost. something, something Maybe. odd. I don't know. Experience. Last map. Great map. Love it. Amazing. Yes. Personally, events were cool. Everything. Uh, the, the fact that you did. You talk about the fact that you do have to do like is you doing the meta event before you do the story. Like, is that something that you t- talked about? Mm-hmm. And what that was like. Okay, no, let's talk about yeah. that. Whew. Okay. Okay, I'd so, completely forgotten about that, actually. Yes, because it's... <laughs> I don't know if it actually mattered to me in the end, but we'll find out if it mattered to you. Um, so, when we're in the last map, there's a story pop-up. I am sweating buckets. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, there's a part which comes up where basically Toran Corner... I think it comes up in the Toran Corner with the green stars and all that kind of stuff. And it says... Or it says it in the actual log. I can't remember. But basically says, do the meta event before you go and do like the end bit it's not like you have to but like it, it feels an like achievement it, yeah there's an achievement but also like there's a there's a thing where it kind of explains you know this is something which is repeating a little bit you know and you have to go back and kill her because you all tried but you know and you need to do something more whatever um did you all do this or did you just go straight on with the story i tried i tried to do it i wanted to yeah mm-hmm. um i had a lot of uh, even people tell me like, oh, it really is great to do it beforehand. And I agree. I actually think that if I had been able to do it beforehand and I'd been able to talk to Suwon down in the cradle and I'd been able to, that yeah. I would I would have found it to be very um, impactful in the story narrative beats. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. 
and I'm not complaining because I actually like the difficulty of this meta. But unfortunately, um, I did the meta six five, many times, six, six times, something like that. Failed every one, and finally mm. was like, I have to finish recording my playthrough. <laughs> I was like, I can't keep trying. Yeah, no, no, I'm it's gone. the same. <laughs> same. I, don't, I don't think many people did it before. I think I think I think even failing it was okay. Like I don't think it. I think that was almost like inferred as well. Like it, it didn't matter which one. Like you tried it and then you saw them mm-hmm. come back and it was there was an essence of I right. Wish... They're coming back, but they're coming back for your story playthrough or something. I wish that you then... could get that achievement for just attempting. Then, if that were the intention, did, did you know but you had to defeat her? You had to win that final meta to get the achievement. I wonder if I might, and so I it felt like it was. It felt like it was locking you out. I wonder if I did do it then before. I can't remember. I have to go back and look at mine. But okay, yeah. Oh, that kind of suck. does suck. I mean, yeah, like because it is be kind a really difficult encounter then locking story mm-hmm. which is essentially something which they shouldn't be doing <laughs> honestly like i mean we just shouldn't be doing we shouldn't be locking story we've learned that haven't we from raids um <laughs> i thought that was something that was was kind of being learned um but i guess you know maybe when you don't know how difficult this is going to be when until it's really in the hands of a lot of people who can get together and play this as like a squad because i know that Obviously, they have tests. They, you know, they do all their tests, the alpha and whatnot as well. But like, you know, they're not going to be. It's not live. You know, they've they've not got all the people in there. They're different experiences. They're different. Um, so yeah, I guess this is definitely over a little bit, maybe overtuned for like such a public setting. I do like the difficulty still. That it does. You know, I think maybe now. I'm not sure if now it's think, too easy. I don't know. I think um, it's it's still satisfyingly difficult. Okay. Because um, okay. the biggest change that they did, and the biggest change that they desperately did need to make, was the frequency of a particular attack. That if it chained more than three times, which it did infuriatingly you would be running back and forth helplessly across the platform with unable to do any damage while the timer is ticking down and so like yeah that that was and that was really what lost um out of the many times that i lost that (laughs) that meta Mm. that did nine out of ten of the attempts were failed because of that stupid rng on the attack (laughs) With the tail, yeah, yeah and because right. when the tail goes she, up, yeah. you like when the tail goes up, you have to run back to burn it. And mm-hmm. I think she even isn't doesn't she have like reduced the, damage or something? That she yes, takes, she like, takes reduced it? damage while the tail is up, and then the tail would pop up, and then she would lunge, and you'd have the tail and the lunge mm-hmm. taking away from your potential, yeah, from yeah. your ability mm-hmm. to do anything at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean. I okay so all of the story beat stuff aside everything else aside you know everything with that I actually love this meta and I think it's awesome like all of the different little beats of it the way they combine the different elder dragons I even Mm -hmm. like the different lanes 
even mm -hmm. if we talked about how maybe like the story could have more robustly supported this coming together of allies i love that you have the different like leaders of those factions and the dialogue as they all start to encounter each other um some of them for like one of the first real times you know as they're trying to just come together for this battle i think even the areas that you go for those different groups are fantastic the um Oh, the shrine that has the fox guardian and like tying mm -hmm. in even the cosmetic of like the shrine guardians and I everything that. That we've had. I would have loved to get some more story beats there or something because I find that little area so fascinating and mm -hmm. the, you know, guardian who's watching over it, um, who helps you turn it away, the hatchery. I mean, all of the areas are gorgeous. And for all that people complained a ton about the color of the jade and the jade and the jade and all the stuff <laughs> and the sea looks dumb. Oh, God. I actually think that the zone is beautiful, beautiful. and oh, i love the so, jade and going underneath the map and that little yeah. secret all of that stuff oh, that. is so beautiful yeah. so on its own i really enjoy it and the music and the final fight feels so epic like when we look back on how disappointed i think a lot of people were with some of the path of fire metas and then you think back to stuff like dragon stand still one of my favorites ever in the game this brought back a sense of that to me where i was like oh my gosh this is incredible like the different phases and the music and the culmination on top of this hugely important landmark in the franchise and the harvest temple and suan and the voice actors and all of it was just so great um, those bugs were unfortunate and did cause a lot of problems. Um, but again, this kind of large scale open world content is something that like no other MMO I know of does. Mm. And I thought they really pulled out all the stops for this meta. So whatever mm. I thought about any of the other narrative beats, I actually loved the story that this meta told and how it combined so much of our journey throughout the game and our previous fights and our companionship with Oreen into this huge, massive thing, which was, was so cool. It's very dramatic. The music is very... Everything about it. The music is so dramatic that it brings up copyright issues on Twitch. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is very dramatic. It's all like, you know, you hear the the kind of wails of the voice and you, the sound of like everything going on. And then you've got like, you know, Ritlock and you've got e other people from everyone from your journey so far, like harping into like what's going on. Like we thought we'd come and help and then you're going to kill different. Yeah, it is just hectic. And then you go to the single player instance and you're like, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah. It, Cause I was just expecting like just a replay and then you just win, but like, it just wasn't, it was, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but yeah, I wonder about people in chat, like what you think about the event now, how you feel about that. I mean, it also it brings back the Heart of Fawns way of doing the expansion, right? Because Path of Fire was totally different. Um, it, was very, it was very flat, literally. Like, it was very flat. Uh, and you kind of get to those end maps and it feels like, you know, there's a continuation coming. It doesn't really feel like a culmination, like an end to it. Whereas, like, now you've got... I don't even... I can't remember what the end map is called in Path of Fire. Um, but, you know, you've got Dragon's End. You know, you, it's, it's just these these places which just culminate in... Here's a story. This is the expansion. And this is kind of the end of that thing. And then you've got this massive event where you all take part in this meta. And it's... And it wasn't really like that in Path of Fire. There wasn't really many meta events. There wasn't really these big, massive fights. It was a very much a single story. 
um, where you could play through that apart from the rest of the game and it almost would make just as much sense if you played it on its own, which is quite cool. And I kind of did like that for Fireball, so not a massive fan of the very flat, literal nature of, of Path of Fire. So I was kind of glad to see it go back to Hard-Fawned, but also Mix... It, this is the this map was a culmination of both of those expansions for me. It had verticality, it, like, literally, but it was on, a, on a, it was on a flat plane. So it was like you would go down into an open area, but then you would have to come back up again, utilizing mounts, and then you had to go to get POIs and stuff. You had to go literally to another level. It wasn't that difficult. Like, you could just navigate down there, and then you could fish and stuff, and it was a bit more chill down there. So it was like... I don't know. It was it was a good... It's definitely a last map. It's not somewhere where you kind of wander around for ages and you kind of investigate, although I think getting materials and stuff makes it that way. Um, but I do like the way they kind of made this map as the intention behind it was very very clear and this part of the story is very 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 good and very well done if you just judge it on its own separate kind of end boss battle time you know that kind of classic mm. thing when you've just you're going through the level and you're defeating this boss it just reminded me of these scrolling beat-em-ups and stuff that I used to play as a kid and like you'd just be seeing this boss all the way through the map at different points in time and it, I don't know it's a weird comparison but it's just that feel for me um okay we're gonna go through so on interestingly enough on the screen the reason I've paused it now and if you can't see the video is because Kruf actually got that achievement <laughs> and like I did as well and didn't kill the boss so I think I don't know if there's a bug I think I don't think you had to kill them though I think it was something like just do it or experience it. Or maybe it was a different tube. I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. I think Gnome's put it in the chat. Um, but I think it was very, it's very, uh, it's a subdue Suon or something. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what does subdue mean in this? <laughs> does it mean defeat Suon and she comes back? Or does it mean you hang out and she's knackered for a bit and she fucks off for a while? Like, what, what, <laughs> what does that mean? Um, yeah, that's it. That's the line there. Yeah, succeed in subduing Suwon in Dragon's End. Yeah, I guess succeed makes would make it mean. It yeah. makes it clearer. I guess so. Okay. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh my god, the line that comes from you. The fight. Sorry, this fight is taking too long, and I I'm just too tired. We failed. Oh my god. A very frustrating way to end. I think that might have added to my frustration ending so many times. Mm. Failing so many times is like. Just all of a sudden, there's no there's no voice line saying I am wearing out. I'm exhausted. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. We're almost dead. I can't handle this. No, it's just all of a sudden. No, I'm tired. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take a nap, guys. You're, you're on your own. <laughs> you failed. Something. I think she says something earlier. Does where she? Says, yeah, she says something about like you know like i don't know if i can keep going like i don't know if i'll be able to go or like she says something like, i think she says something like that throughout it it's mostly suwon saying i can't hold back yeah, but it's us player we're talking about specifically mm -hmm. we gave up yeah we failed like as a player well i took it as orine orine's energies were like spent like yeah she the clashes last oh okay so maybe i maybe I, yeah because it was orine calling out oh is it orine mm -hmm. okay my bad my bad. Yeah. Oh, because the speech bubble was coming from us. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was the, yeah, that the in our head little... specifically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. I got confused there. But all of that to say, I yeah, I actually love the meta. Um, cool. I wish they would let you linger a little bit longer yeah. in the after map mm -hmm. state. Yeah. I love the chance to take some dang screenshots in that map without being attacked from every angle. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. 
Um, and we already talked about this. I won't harp on it too much, but I think one of the biggest missed opportunities for me on this map narratively, and it's not like it's actually missed. You can go experience it, and it is so worth the experience. Mm -hmm. But is the fact that you literally discover the cradle of all existence, which mm -hmm. is in the Jade Sea, where Suwan created the world and then gave birth to the dragons. But if you don't know to look for it, and if you don't get on your mount, or somebody hasn't told you about this, just and you have beeline to beeline it. Yes, like you literally have to just like beeline your butt. Like if you, yeah. it's, if it's your first time, you have to beeline over there, figure out where she's at. And then if you haven't gotten the other collection with um, the other drag, the salt spray dragon, then if you're like trying to do both of those, you're just in a rush to try and snag them. Um, so for me, I think that like, I loved the meta. I actually also love the story beats, and we'll get to those in a second. And I love the like solo, well, party instance or solo instance version. And there's so many incredible things that happen here at the end. But I, I please like <laughs> if you find if you find the whole cradle of existence and the mm. entire thing that gave birth to the to the dragons. That needs to be a major story beat in the final map where you go there and it's like the music plays. You're like, where am I? And it's like, this is where the world was born. And it's like, it needs to like, you need, that's like, that is the beginning of dragons. You need to know and that. And that was a cycle, as, that was dragons. a circle as well. Like, you know, the cycle, that's like coming, you're coming, that's literally another one. You know, we're coming to the end that you're so, because you know what? In my head, I don't think it clicked in my head that that is what that was until you said it. I'm serious. Like, I feel really stupid for thinking for that, but like, but maybe that, but like, I just didn't pay attention. Like I was listening to the story and I was like, because I was like, where do I go? What do I do? What's the, another thing I have to do? Like, what, what is going on? Where are we? Who is this? And then it just ended. And then I was like, shit. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, mean, I feel kind of stupid for that, but like, no, it's, it's the truth. <laughs> it's just don't the truth. Don't feel stupid because you, you literally wouldn't know unless you had like gone down there. And even so, I think the line she says or something about like, oh yeah, this is like very somewhere. offhand. Yeah, she's like, I made the universe here or whatever. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, and I had all my my babies were here too, and this is where they all grew up as like you know little ones. We all cuddled here. Yes, like, this is what they were all like, and this is what their natures were like before they got so corrupted and skewed. And in that, she shares her hopes for the future of Orene in this gorgeous, like, subtle way of the hopes she once carried for her own children, who mm. are now all dead, which is so brutal. Like, to Shit, hear yeah. a mother's story of, like, the first beautiful moments she shared with her children and then what they became and what she became and how you know she realized that this cycle that was born of of hope and it was born of her love of the world and what she herself felt was needed for it that things went awry and went wrong and that she had no control over that and then to mm. have this future where through the iteration through the stumbling through the failures through the devastation through the all of this stuff to have a chance at a better world that while you know there may have been these horrible things that from it came something beautiful and mm. Orene and Orene herself who has faced death 
but who managed to come through it by uniting with others, by sharing this world, by, um, you know, disseminating this power. Like, it's beautiful. It's so, so incredibly moving. And if nothing else, like that final scene with Orin and Suwan, where, you know, she does give up her life and, you know, it should have taken place in the cradle of the world. Are you kidding? (laughs) 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 Ricky's just like, so like, like sensitive, like really careless. And then all of of a sudden, (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine the power of that scene? It's Mm -hmm. an Easter egg that you can unlock and it's an incredible one, but it shouldn't be an Easter Easter egg. egg. No, Duan should have laid down her burden in the place where she gave birth to the world she should have said the world was once mine but now it is yours again i talked about earlier the incredible themes in this expansion about familial like uh, you know gosh even um rama right Mm -hmm. rama is a better future after the the terrible things that even his father figure had Mm. yao looks up to these other figures and has now charted their own course um orin who lived under the burden of her mother's legacy the loss of her brother the we talked about this earlier the almost if we want to use it as a greater metaphor the abuse cycles or things like that of the other elder dragons like again if it's this idea of a cycle of we are all constantly trying to do our best in certain ways. And some of us fall prey to these terrible things. And um, some of us choose to do terrible things, but we all pick ourselves up and we continue to move forward. A new cycle Mm -hmm. can be reborn. We can break free of the old. That is where that moment should have happened. And like, we should have had the whole scene where she's telling us those terrible, sad things. Should have been a cut scene. Shouldn't it really (laughs) at the end, honestly? What did you, what do you think, Harold? I think that we, I think that you're uh, warming up to, Tell us your feelings about this. No, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't mm-hmm. agree more. They, they. I think that I agree with you that the battle, the, the build up, the lanes, they're fun, they're engaging. The small stories that you get along them are great. It's. I, would I have liked more, more lead up to get me into the map? Yes, mm-hmm. but we, we don't live in a perfect world. You get a great story. You get this incredible encounter, which is 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 challenging. And I remember the drama on Twitter that was quite hilarious. Um, which but... one? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say which oh, one. Is them. this balance yeah. or is this the yeah. Oh. dragon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I have to agree. I think I think at the at the last hurdle for the for the end of dragons, they dropped the ball with their storytelling. They just mm-hmm. they just dropped the ball. And I think that I think that it, it does an injustice to all the the hard work and the fantastic setup and the and the and and the great spectacle that they were they were trying to do. And then you've got fifty percent of the players leaving the map before they've actually got the story that we came to Cantha to get. We 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 came to Cantha because we wanted to learn about where the elder dragons came from, why the cycle started, and was it possible to subvert it and still survive? And most players won't know the answer to any of those questions because it's it's hidden in a in a little area at the side of the map that's blocked off ninety percent of the time. And if you don't have someone leading you there by the nose, you're you're buggered. So the yeah. one thing, the one thing I would change there just to to lead more players along because there are a lot of players who 
for some unknown reason, are not in a game for a story. Mm. And they just want to ignore it all. But for everyone who does and just doesn't know it's there, just have Orin come to the edge of the platform, check in with us, you know, kind of touch base. You guys okay? I'm going to go follow her. Follow me. She does have a line where she she does, But you never see her. She just, like, takes (laughs) off. Yes, it's like, it's very, and there's like a little trail of, I think, like, orbs you can follow. But again, mm-hmm. when you've just finished this meta and you're trying to loot all the chests and yeah. you're trying to do, like, you're on And you've got plane. less than five minutes yes, before they yes. kick you out of the map. Yes, um, it's, yeah, it weird. is, it's mm-hmm. rough, it's rough. Dragon stand, you've got, like, ages. <laughs> like, yeah, if, if there like was anything minutes, to find. Half an hour. Yeah, like, yeah. you can go and I get mean, all the things and, yeah. Why isn't this, this huge, crucial story moment, part of the instanced personal story that we have? Why isn't it there? I don't understand. They could have taken all the time in the world to do it right there. Yes. Yes, I I agree. And it's it's beautiful. That area is just so gorgeous. Like, the hush in that little, that small little spot, the... Um, effects mother's lament the The name of the place is just so good too it's like you go down to it it feels like a cradle it feels beautiful in that sense like a den Um, a warm place yes and like again we get this beautiful parallel one of the most striking images to me of the game is uh actually that um oh the artwork i've mentioned it before but i'll mention it again the artwork from i think season four is it season four where orine as like a young juvenile dragon is cuddled up against glint's corpse Mm -hmm. and like that piece of art and then the actual story instance where you like see her um you know in touch with her mother for the first time physically because she hadn't even hatched she was just an egg when her mother perished like to touch her mother for the first time to feel a mother's touch and have it be her mother's dead body is so so brutal it's so sad i can't help but giggle because it's like oh my god that's so messed up and sad and like again to be down here in this place where another mother lamented because her children again are now all dead it's these incredible circular storytelling beats that are so wonderfully crafted i have to commend the team it is beautiful it is impactful and here they are her legacy her lineage and you know um Irene finally meeting a figure like this for the first time yes it should have been in a story beat we should have seen it it's so incredibly gorgeous in that sense that i have no idea why they didn't put it in the actual cinematic story beats um it's it's just phenomenal and it's worth experiencing if you haven't been down there yet and there's multiple lines of dialogue so each time you complete it go down because she'll tell you about one of the different babies and like Mm -hmm. what they were like and what their nature was like and things like that um it's all on the wiki by the way you can go there's probably you can probably look it up on youtube the voice acting is is... the thing is that i so i've listened to it a few times because i've I've done the event a few times Mm -hmm. but no matter how many times I listen to it, I'm still not entirely sure how the world formed, how she gave birth to these entities if she was imperfect and just of one element. And it it, it almost sounds like a Greek, uh, the Greek myth of everything spawning from chaos. Or from nothingness, which is the void. That's, well, that's why, because it was the void was first, right? 
and yeah, then but... you spoil everything spawned from nothingness which is like the void Yes. And so yeah. that's so vague. So what does that mean? How what does that, did that mean? Happen? Yeah. Yeah. And she talks a bit about the fact that like because she was wielding or she had so much power that the void kind of like how we see that it like overruns, right? Like overflows. So she separated it out into these mm -hmm. different distinct kind of elements to the to her children. Mm -hmm. But again, we don't even 100% totally know why they all went rampant when that started to happen or i mean like you said i think there is a fine line i think with a sense of something like this a world origin myth you don't have to go midi-chlorian on it you know like you don't have to be like every detail but i do agree that it feels very vague and it's just these little tiny breadcrumbs mm. were kind of tossed um it is i can ask you a question sorry event. Right. It's weird. So, yeah. I can I ask you a question? So, you're a Final Fantasy player. You know the story of the creation of the planet now. You understand all of it because you played Sh uh, Shadowbringers. Uh, um... <gasps> Spoilers, no. <laughs> have you played it all? Have you played all the story? Me? Yes, but yeah. I don't know about. I don't know. I about... have not. I'm going through it. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not going to. No spoilers. Do you feel, <laughs> knowing all the things that you know, do you feel well informed about the world or worse? Do you feel like the mystery or the lack of mystery has spoiled the story? Because I, think I don't. <laughs> no, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's a phenomenal addition to the story. Um, it was a huge twist that came about in Shadowbringers that blew everybody's minds and is, you know, really incredible. I do think that, however, within that, there is still a massive amount of mystery. <laughs> like, there's still a lot of things we don't know, although they continue to add in with, like, various supplemental lore stories. We just had a new one come out today. Um, they continue to add in with new content, like the new 8-man and 24-mans, right? Because there are so many mysteries. And even that time period is still very enigmatic and mysterious. We don't know a lot of the greater scope of the world or, you know, other things within it. Um, or how it even came to be in its, like, own evolution as a, as a society and, um, you know... Mm. But I don't feel like it undermines it. So in that regard, yes. I do think that 14, in other regards, has plot holes. And not in the same way. Not in the same way. But they also are just as guilty sometimes of retroactive storytelling. Where it's like, mm -hmm. we had this thing that we didn't really expand on. And now, like, you know, here we'll get something that totally revolutionizes. And that's kind of part of the nature of MMO storytelling. It is. Um, it's sort of how it kind of works. But mm. I think that overall, um, 14 has a tendency to more perhaps narrow in and hone in on cinematic story beats as if they are structuring what would be, because this is they've said this from the beginning, this is how they model it, a single player JRPG. Mm -hmm. And so with that, there is a much more specific throughput of that kind of drive um sometimes they even have too many cutscenes and too many diversions and the maps are not always known for their best amplification of storytelling True. whereas guild wars 2 i think almost has the complete opposite thing where it comes from it from like a very action-oriented immersive experience and then sometimes i think we find ourselves wanting even more in the cinematic throughput experience mm. um if that makes sense yeah I just, I just don't think that them giving us more information and telling us more story and giving us and letting us see a little bit of how far the rabbit hole goes down, I don't think it ever spoiled it. And I feel like 
I feel like Guild Wars too that that they they're fond of their secrets that the the story team, and they're I think a there's little, a fine a little too much. I they need I think a there's a fine master. line. They need a law master like Elder Scrolls Online. I love that mm. they have like a law master where you where they literally <laughs> like that is a job. That is a job for someone as Zenimax. Like they have a person who is a law master, and they will give you loads of random law like random on their twitter or social channels and there'll be like a person who like openly talks about the law quite often and i know that people do a ring ring there and everything else but like it's just i mean it's elder scrolls i mean i guess we know a lot more about elder scrolls than anything else probably Mm -hmm. but like i think (sighs) final fantasy 14 is like so different to guild wars like it's just it's so different to guild wars but but like in the same way I almost feel like people, a lot of people who play Final Fantasy fourteen. that's almost their main game. And then Guild Wars 2 is like the casual kind of like, it's still a main game, but it's a bit more chill. <laughs> it's like, because Final Fantasy fourteen is just like you say, it's like got that really single player aspect to it where you feel very much on your own in the game. And like, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. And I think that's one reason I can't connect to Final Fantasy fourteen a lot. And it's not because of the game. It's because I like, I just really like to see other people running in the world, running around in the world with me all the time. I mean, all the time. It's weird. I don't know why. Like, I find it very difficult to engage in single, single player story games unless they're really engaging and there's a lot going on. It's just a weird, it's know. just the way I am, I guess. I don't know. But I just think that. I, I don't want them to change how they deliver the game. I just yeah. think that they would they would they would better have a better narrative experience for those who care about it mm-hmm. if they had the the singular focus yeah. and the and the and the and the bravery to 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 give us too much information sometimes. It's okay to give us more Absolutely. story than we need rather than less. I I mm-hmm. I think I think they've definitely always erred on the side of caution, and mm. they're fond of their mysteries. And some of their mysteries are great, but when you have an expansion that says "End of Dragons" and you're putting an entire ten years story to bed, mm. I would like some closure, and I would like a little bit more information. Personally, for me, no, I, I agree. I love the story. Absolutely. I think this is the point where that that should absolutely. I agree with. I agree with what you're all saying. Absolutely. I think that I just think it should have been a cutscene, just a long cutscene, just like have because they've done they've shown us that, especially in the trailers and stuff, how they can create video. I know they they have someone else creating that scene for them for the trailers and stuff. Like have them create something something in the game. Yeah, like I mean, I mean, it feels it does feel like that was a big missing part of it. I want to kind of go back before we get to that point, (laughs) which is kind of well, it's not because we we're talking about doing the event and then doing the single player story. Because I want to get to that because I realise the time is still ticking on and time does exist in our planet, Um, (laughs) unfortunately. but yeah, I, I totally agree. I think you're right. I think most people will probably agree. I think people who are listening for this for the first time and didn't realize that that even exists will probably agree, um, which is probably a lot of people. Um, and yeah, like I, I makes me want to go and look at a YouTube video right now, actually, honestly, and just go back and, and take it in from someone else's perspective so I don't miss out on it. Um, because I know I'll probably be like, oh, there's something moving over there and I'll just be like run off after it. Um, but yeah, also, Arena, if you're listening, I would I will take the job of lawmaster. Give it to me. I'll do it. 
I'll be your girl. I'll be the Crichton Herald for real. Anytime. That's why you planned the name, you see. You planned it. We could put together a whole Loremaster team. You know what? We're here. We're ready. We already have enough documents outlined. (laughs) We can just make it a big one, you know? You know we can go on at length about this. (laughs) Enthusiastically. I am actually glad yeah. I, will, I, I am the ladies there. of law. The ladies of law. <laughs> yes, I will. I will. I will support you all in that venture. <laughs> I will just be there in the background, oh. like let, let them do it. Um, yes, oh. I would. I I agree. Like as and when you when you're all talking about it, you made me really do think. I do think about that. Like this is the creation of the world. Like you know, this is a big thing, and it, it really is important because it's not just the culmination of Guild Wars two. It's a combination of everything. <laughs> it's like everything. It's the first game. It's the lore. It's like everything they've ever produced about the game. It's like, oh, this is where it began. It's like it's like talking about the Big Bang, but not but not talking about the Big Bang. Like just leaving it. <laughs> like yeah, there was this thing that happened. You know, the big the Big Bang. We think it was science or something, and it happened, and there was an explosion. And but we continue to talk about it and look at it and like think about it and. And, you know, they, it didn't feel like that's a thing. And maybe it even can continue to be a theme throughout, like, living story as we continue. I actually hope it will be, specifically. I feel like they... they I, I appreciate what they were doing in Mother's Lament, and I like that they kept it there, um, because what it did is it brought it to a very personal level. It took this big world-ending cataclysmic event and brought it down to a mother talking about her favorite memories of her children and kept it very simple and i think that the whole thing could have been solved by simply giving us more time like we were saying earlier more time mm. to get to know suwon to get to ask her questions in a more organic and less oh my gosh you're dying tell me about everything I forgot, like, <laughs> we're about voyage. to lose this thread we're yeah. about to lose this opportunity tell me everything yeah, and true. it would have let it stay that nice quiet mournful moment i wonder if they can go back and do that in a similar way they've told other stories and just have separate things like you know little living story like you know going back through time again and live reliving stuff i'd like to yeah, maybe maybe orene has like access to like we have Memories, with the scrying pool where she'll be able to find something yes i would, I would like love to see thing. that do not get me wrong, because I do think we could use it and need it. But yeah. also, I think if you are structuring an expansion, you do have to do your storytelling thinking forward. Of so course. like yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. it's like it's both. You need to deliver enough to support what's happening and not just retroactively. Um yeah. but sure. all this is to say because oh sorry. I was gonna say we still have Kunavang. We do. Kun- yes. Kunavang is still there, and she has been her dragon champion for a significant period, a couple of hundred mm-hmm. years, right? So they could give us all this story mm. through our adventures with Kunavan going forward. Yes, yes, and I hope they I do, mean, because that'll be important for Aurene. You can reasonably, with the way Suwon spoke, she knew it was eventually going to come to this. Mm-hmm. She had hoped it wouldn't, but she knew it would. And so there's all sorts of preparations that she could have laid mm. in place to tell us, you know, how was the world formed? How does that affect how we should interact with it? What do mm. the magics actually look like when they're in balance and in one place? You know, some important longevity to, to, to yeah. existence information. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, especially as Irene considers her own future. And she mm -hmm. herself even says that she doesn't know if she'll ever fall to the void. They are just kind of assuming she won't. Yeah. Yes, like, which, um, I mean, I think is also interesting because it means that there's still more to discover. But um, for all of that, because I know, Jeb, you were trying to bring it back to the actual, like, story yeah. instance that we do, I did want to talk about the fact that even with all these ideas that we have, with additional things that I think could have made particularly the um to one specific narrative more profound i do love that story instance mm -hmm. i do love the moment where you get to finally really i mean we have been a dragon <laughs> champion you know what i mean we have done it we have like done some special abilities We've come into our own and stuff, but then you see like Icebird Saga, where you see Bram going full mol like molten magma yeah, mode. Yeah. You see like cool. all these things, this idea of what it means to be like bonded to a dragon and be able to, as a mortal, wield some fraction of their powers. And I was just like so excited oh my gosh when you like pull out the oreen legendary like there's our legendaries there is like the manifestation of our power it made me even more excited for the weapons the special effects like everything that you're doing and then the actual like fight is so good it's so good it was in many ways like the thing that still like for all that there is a big discussion to be had about the balancing of the story, I personally did not leave End of Dragons feeling like, ah, that last bit was really a fart. Like, I felt really, like, I was excited. Um, even if there were many areas that I wanted to be fleshed out, I still adore this expansion. But mm. a big part of it, I think, was even, I do think they succeeded in manifesting our moment as, like, ourselves as a, a dragon nice champion yeah. yeah and i felt really cool in those moments and i felt really awesome facing down all those manifestations of the dragons again yeah. and it was so fun to fight zaitan again in a you know more exciting way well <laughs> was i like... was gonna i was gonna do a little thing here because i thought it would be quite cool because it was so important i think and it means that we can go and kind of in a maybe some linear kind of order um and just kind of talk about the instances we go through it. i would love to do a playthrough where we all play through it together honestly one day not not now because <laughs> that would be long-winded uh, actually no it probably wouldn't um because it would be fun but but here but basically in the, where i've paused it on the video which i've left it for a little bit because i'm hoping it catches up and you're able to see maybe if you have got another monitor i'm not sure if you haven't sorry um You've got the extractor. Suwon is kind of in control still and is like sitting there. And it's just this big thing. And it's just like the, the story parts is drain Suwon. And it's like you've got this big, massive extractor thing and you're activating it. Like you are doing all the things. And she says, what does she say? There's some really like big quotes here there was one here and she says and she says the cycle ends we are truly awake we are time we are space and there was like so many massive quotes here in this in this end instance and i was like man and it is just like when you when you do i like you know it's a fairly this was a pretty powerful moment because you're literally turning on like june is right there like june is right there like helping you turn on, on this machine like and is all the tech and the work that she's made and she from Suwon, and now she's turning on her to like effectively kill her. 
and then it's just like jesus man like that what this meant to these people in this story would have just been like i don't know it was just a pretty heavy it was a pretty heavy scene honestly um and yeah i i just kind of how was it what was it like for all of you like when you had this moment and then realized that kind of suwon's gone but then the voids you know that's what that's what's happened the voids coming back and then you kind of start getting attacked right it's all a pretty uh it's a good start to this this instance because it was probably one of the longer instances of the entire story right i'm pretty sure yeah it didn't feel that long in retrospect no. but it's, it was, it's a fairly hectic runaround isn't it it's fairly it's fairly hectic yeah yeah Mm-hmm. That's right. Then there's the cutscene and the machine. I think the machine breaks or something. I can't remember exactly. One of you with a brain that has can remember things can probably help here. But like the the void come back and I think you start attacking all of these creatures. Right, that's right. This is what happens. And as the creatures coming, you get overwhelmed. And mm-hmm. as that happens, like everyone's there. Like there's loads of people from your past there. And you're, it just looks dire. Like, I don't think I've ever been in this situation where I'm like, wow. You, you know, ultimately, you're going to win the day. But I think this is the first time where I felt truly like, you Ow. know, we might not do this. And there's people like the casting with like Ritlock and Cretia and like other people in Tyrion. And you can see the void like draining all the magic back out from the whole of Tyrion. And it's just like, whoa. This is like a big thing. This is a big deal now. Like mm. we're going to be coming across this big, massive force, and it's everything is just coming together, and we're kind of fucked. Mm. <laughs> do you know what I, I mean? do I remember like, thinking, like, okay, they're going pretty big scale now. I know we've had big scale threats before, but yeah, how are we going to resolve this? this I, is, I remember this exactly. <laughs> like, and you're, you're, this is across the entire world. You've got like Path of Fire characters in there. You've got like Living World, Living Story, and everyone's like, you're just like, yeah, this is uh, what's going to happen now. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, what was that like to see that cutscene as well? Because I really love that cutscene in itself. Just seeing like all the magic and all the different lands that we've kind of been across and the people that we've interacted with maybe why they weren't even there because there were some people that weren't there um mm-hmm. i don't know it's yeah i don't really know what to say i don't know if i've got a question honestly i think i'm just explaining the thing like what was happening and what i was thinking about because it, it, it does you feel kind of hopeless and i don't feel like i ever felt like that in the game before as a the character closest i can think is um when you die <laughs> and pass the fire. Death, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that's, I, true. that's true. Because there's the moments before that where you see Orin get imprisoned and everything mm. else. Um, and then you realize like, oh my gosh, they really did that. Oh my gosh, they really killed me. And I think that moment um, will always be like a huge one for me in this game. It was so incredible. That's um, true, actually, yeah. yeah. I think but... in that one. Mm. Oh God. Oh, just in the in the moment where they they kill you in Path of Fire, it was so sudden and so visceral. And there was like there was no build up to that. Mm. Really, you had the fight where you're like, something's wrong. This fight is not going how I expected. But but it was so sudden that I never had this moment of, oh, my gosh, how am I going to save the world now? It was I wasn't even thinking that far ahead. Yeah. And. This gives you that great sense of, you know, like what we're fighting for. And I think it also opens up the world because Mm -hmm. so much of this has been a direct threat to Cantha. 
And this is even something that I felt recently with like 14, right? Because they are, you know, trying to add these new layers and nuances and twists. And we get a new expansion that again is retroactively filling in a lot of story. There were some decisions that were made in that narrative that at the last hour introduced, shall we say, some revolutionary and massively important things that had kind of come out of nowhere in a sense that then like gave a totally different context for everything else. And we're like, this had been here the whole time. And some people in the community really responded poorly to that, which is fair. Um, I, again, think it's just part of the nature of storytelling in MMOs. Mm -hmm. So with this, like, particular facet in Guild Wars 2 of the void, I think it was important to show the void as something that is a threat throughout all of Tyria and mm. not just Kanta. Yeah. And it's kind of unfortunate because I think that even if they, like, retroactively went back and, like, added something in with the elder dragon visuals where there's like a hint of the void but we don't actually this is another big question that we don't actually really have 100 percent answered by end of dragons unless you all picked up on something that i didn't i don't believe the other dragons were consumed by the void they no. just were consumed by their own element of magic right it, it yeah yeah same to me yeah that's what i got from it but that's also kind of interesting then because then like the force of the void as this big malevolent thing that you know suwan has battled against battled against for so long it does have a sense of being that thing that just kind of pops up out of nowhere right i think it's still cool i like the idea and the mythology of like this chaos versus this order kind of force because yes our own universe has that which i think is really fascinating um, but I think it was important that they showed the void touching all of Tyria mm -hmm. and affecting everything. So the cutscene here does that effectively. Um, and I, I liked the context of how this wasn't just a threat to Cantha, this was a threat to everything. So I thought that was really good. Yeah. In the moment, I remember being very, very hyped, and it was yes. it was very, very swept up in the in the kind of the drama of it. But I and and. I remember getting to the end of the expansion and feeling quite elated by everything that happened. But then again, but then the rational brain kicks in and you're like, was that a bit deus ex machina? Mm -hmm. Did we did we just pull the void out of some orifice or another to kind of to, to, to fill a story hole? And will we see it again? Is it going to be a recurring theme? Are we going to give it more substance than... Than a, than a kind of than a kind of shade of madness in in a, in the in the in the elder creator deity that we seem to have stumbled across. I don't know. We'll find out. Hopefully. Well, fingers I mean, crossed. I think I think it's it's weird though, isn't it? If you think about our world and the universe, and you think about the never endingness and how the universe is always being created. And like we'll never find out because we'll never see that far because light like, just it's just not doable. Maybe in like a million years when we're like you know we've got seven legs and five hands and like, seventeen million arms. I don't know, but like you know what everything I mean. Like becomes crabs. It is, yeah, everything is crabs. Yeah, like and <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's it's an it's an evolutionary. There's yeah. the, the shape of the crab is a recurring evolutionary form. Right. Okay. Okay. It's a convergent thing. Sorry. Like no, that's good. Um, but do you know what I mean? Like in, in terms of space, like, you know, and I think it's, I think it's okay to not know everything, but I think we need to know a little bit more <laughs> than we do know currently because it is a little bit, because it's not the universe, is it? It's the world. And it's like, 
Yeah. I think it's, I think or it's all right it to have competing arguments. So mm-hmm. you could, you know, like the coder have one idea of the evolution of the known and the mm-hmm. known have another. And we get to experience and explore those stories for ourselves. And then we can make a decision what we want to think or, or we can disregard. Mm-hmm. What, what we have here is we, 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 we were teased in um, season two. Was it season two with the, with the, with the machine? It was, wasn't it? When we're flying in the alchemy and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Oh, so yeah. we have this, we have a theory of everything with the, with the alchemy. Yeah. We, we experience a layer of it. Mm. We see the kind of structure, the, the, almost the, the fundamental building blocks of the reality that we're in, these primal essences. Mm-hmm. And, and now we have a slight, and now we have a competing narrative. Now we have a competing prime mover narrative of of this this creator dragon yeah. who who is what? who has split herself into fragments mm. and to to spin up reality and somehow reality formed around her or the planet formed around her or she mm. allowed it to we don't know and and I would I think it's it's important that they allow the players to explore that mm-hmm. and they could do that quite easily through like the college of synergetics or through the priory even you know? I'm, I'm going to pull us a little bit back because I realized that I probably pulled us into that place where we decide to talk about stuff outside of this specific part because I realized that if we start talking oh. about the creation of Tyria, that could be an entire season of Guild Wars 2. To kind of pull it, might bring us. Pull it back <laughs> in, the, in the way like they that. chose to tell the story in the end and to keep it vague and give us so little time with Suwon is maybe to let us have that the unreliable narrators the sub the the what if this is how it was or and the mm. not overwrite and override every other uh creature's creation story mm. is they they kept they kept it to that and we do get that very brief time with her in the story there is a um so in to to go back to the the kind of instance that we're in there was just a, there was a funny quote I had from Kruf because this was a constant for me. I wrote quotes down from Kruf throughout, and this was a funny one. Um, <laughs> let me just try and find it. Uh, oh yeah, here we go. Um, Kruf said, "Kunivang died. It's not the time for you to be GGing early, Kunivang." <laughs> Is what Kruf was saying, and this is where we kind of are. Like everyone is dying. It's not just like Kruf literally running out of abilities because there's just nothing else you can do. There's just so much, and you're like, I'm sorry, I can't. Don't think I can carry on. Like Otter said as well earlier. You know, there was this instant death in POF, whereas in here, it's like, ah, this feels like you're struggling. You're just <laughs> fighting for a while, and then it's all all of a sudden you're just talking to Arene, and you're like pulled out of this place and it's not void it's nothing it's actually very calm and i don't think the music i can't remember what the music is like here i should turn it out but like i wonder if they were playing on the concept of the dream of making this like mentally divided space within the mists here this is what it made me think of more than anything is the moments that we like when you make a silvari character and you start out in the dream Mm-hmm. It has this almost this kind of feel to it where the edges of everything are it's a real place, except then the edges are all kind of blurry and foggy in this way. I don't know. For the mind. They just have an ethereal capacity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like it's yeah. a spiritual 
Yeah, but this bit here, I, I'm wondering what look you had on your face, Rook, honestly. I'm on, on this bar Oh, here yeah, no, you'll be able because... to see. You'll be able to see when that video portion goes you up. You haven't got it out um... yet, have you? No, it's still going up because I was also okay. simultaneously releasing portions of Endwalker. So oh, okay, I've, we, it's I, been we a while. So now. much at once, but so much at once, so much at once. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I lost it. I think you all can anticipate. I was yelling. I was so excited. Yeah, I was laughing. I, like in a like joy, pure joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I was very pumped about this. This was. One of my favorite moments, I think, in all of Guild Wars 2. I just, like, loved this whole thing. I loved this whole concept. I thought it was so good. It also was extra, extra good because I had been rocking, as you've all seen in-game, my Orin's Champion, like, look, my outfit. And it. I have to say, while Kroof's character, while they're very, very good, um... My outfit with the additional effects and everything else going on, I looked so radiant. It was unbelievable. I looked full on like Orin's champion on a level I had never fully achieved. And it was just so good. And, and you've, got the Orin, you've got the Orin legendaries of the weapons you're using as well, right? Like mm -hmm. I didn't realize that was the same. I didn't because I, I can't remember. I'll have to, I might get my playthrough up in a second and just see what I had, but I was engineer, so I don't have weapon swap. <laughs> Makes me feel sad. I didn't get as many legendaries. Cause like, so this this was this you're right. It's fucking epic. <laughs> it, was, it was so good. Um Aaron Herald, like I want you to talk about it because if you don't I will. <laughs> so and I need other people to talk about it. Um but how are you feeling about this? Like what was your uh what were your thoughts when you got the you're legendary and you're kind of powered up and you're ready to go and you're starting if you start fighting all the different dragons you know not dragons specifically but the um what are they what are they the They're void like shades of their minions yeah the void shades void shades echoes i don't know I, yeah oh i never fell off the edge to see what happened there anyways oh yeah i'm i'm watching the i'm watching the stream so i'm on quite a delay on the here showing um yeah did I think? It's been a while. What about how all the Herald is pretty like, epic. Feel free as well to... Yeah. I really liked the fact that they went back to the bosses so that we could do them again. Mm -hmm. I really I really liked the fact um when you think of how far we've come from the, from our first encounter with Saitan to mm. these type of multi-stage battles, I was just so impressed that they 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 just they they had the balls to really throw us right into the shit because it's a really difficult encounter. I actually walked my um, my mother in law through this, so a lot of this was me just oh, nice. coaching her because she's she's a world v world player. So this was a bit yeah. wild for her. Um, and I I loved how challenging it was and and, and mm. how how much fun it was and how they kind of tried to embody the spirit of each of the dragons with the encounter that you had. Yeah, there was a similarity with the mechanics with the with the glowy balls and everything, but you really felt that they were channeling the the, the essence of the dragons, and you really it, it was. I felt. I mean, I'm a fairly mediocre player, and I felt I felt 
pushed to do this and and drag my mother-in-law with me um and it but it was it was really satisfying and it was really it was really great to interact with the with our different uh, companions and friends that we've made along the way in the different expansions yeah. on each of the of the platforms and it felt like a kind of it felt like a building kind of crescendo to the to the to the final kind of encounter with her and i think they did a really really good job this was some really good it was a good marriage of gameplay and storytelling with beautiful visuals with with challenging gameplay that wasn't too challenging to make it you know like you you set your testicles on fire or something it it was really really good thank you i, I really enjoyed it yes. you're quite welcome it made you simultaneously feel really like this is your last super powerful this is your super saiyan moment where you have gone and just leveled yeah, up to a level yeah. you didn't know you could get to and yet you're there because the enemies are that powerful mm. and if you didn't have orin's power in that moment if you hadn't been artificially leveled up there's no chance no absolutely not this is the thing because like look at this look at this screen live just like that in itself is just flipping mm-hmm. epic like promodus is like right there numbing on the platform that you're mm-hmm. on and there's just this massive aoe and it's just like the scale of it is ridiculous like that that's the i don't know if it's the same size as the head that we see in that battle we have between like the dragons i think it's, I think it's a bit smaller but like it, yeah if, because your power like the platform is small as well like the scale just feels really good and you feel like you're mm-hmm. in danger like this thing is slamming his face down on the it's just literally face bombing and like trying to it's just it's just epic and it gives you like i haven't done the strike uh mission for this but it's definitely got like elements of it because i've watched people play through it but then you're like next dragon, next dragon, and you're right. You know, there's Kanak and everyone else. But you're so huge. Like Kanak's just this tiny little guy. <laughs> Looks like an Asura-sized person, and he's just like so little. It's funny though because he's on, in his uh, armor. He's not in his suit or anything. I was expecting him to be in his suit when he was hanging out, but he wasn't. I was disappointed in that. Um, no, not really. I mean, um, you don't go to battle in a three-piece I mean, white leather suit, know. white suede suit. I don't know. I mean, if I, I, I wouldn't had a risk choice. getting that scuffed. That's true. That's true. Could get some void on it here and there. Uh huh. Um, I mean, yeah, void and a lot of other stuff. But yes. it it just I love those moments where you feel simultaneously super powerful and completely and utterly helpless. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then they managed to like you're you're frantic. You're gonna die if you don't have Orin literally upsizing you. Yeah. Mm. I kinda like that reference to how all the champions that champion creatures are always an upscaled model, character model. Yeah. And you you get a moment to be the upscale upscaled character model. You are a champion. You become yeah. the boss. You become the champion. <laughs> yes, I love it. There's the, is this, so this is uh, Zaitan as well. It's like you're harking back to the old mm-hmm. dragons where you're like, you know, yeah. I haven't seen this dragon for a long time. I forgot what it looked like. You know what I mean? It's just like, and, and then is it Logan and who else with it on the foot? Isn't that Kate? Is that? Yeah, so you've got the That's older. Yeah, that is, it is mm-hmm. them. I actually didn't think about that. Like, they're, they're there with you finding Zaitan, like the old core Guild Wars 2 bunch, you know? Yeah. Getting so the band back together. It's yeah. very relevant. Like, it, it does suit, like, the cycle, you know? You come back and you defeat this again with these people who are very present during this time. 
Um, it almost it almost yeah. felt like an acknowledgement that they mm. they realized that people were dissatisfied with, say, for example, the the um, Ice Brood Saga encounter. Because yes, it was great. To, the battle was spectacular, and it was. But we wanted to battle the dragons. We wanted not not the surrogates almost. And and this is kind of a redress to that. It's a redress to the the the, the fair criticisms of, of the Zaitan fight. It's a, it's a it's a redress to the fair criticisms of the internal battle that we had with Mordremoth. These this is what it should have been, I think. Mm-hmm. And this is them giving us what we've been asking for for such a long time, which is a a, a, a strongly themed visceral encounter that requires a great deal of perseverance from the player. Where you can do massive damage and see numbers much bigger than you ever like there is a lot and of satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of satisfaction here. This is the, the um this is the end. This is a stroking the ego time Absolutely. which is fine. You can stroke my ego. I'm happy with that, yeah. Yeah. But then like you you become this massive ball of energy, right? And then you you kill so and that's it. Like you come to the end of it and you assess the situation as it says and like there's this big cutscene and you come down in this big glowing kind of ball, like, you know, and you, all of the power seeps away from you and it's just like you float down and your character just looks sick. Doesn't matter who you are. I would do want to see Charles and what they look like. Um and yeah, that's that's kind of that's not it it, but you know, it's it's kind of the end and it's like there's a lot that continues after this, to be fair. There's still so much more, oh my god. But yeah, I mean, that whole fight, and then you land back here. Like, what was it like to, to go through just to have, just as an end for to that, that whole sequence, really? Because it's its own thing, that whole fight. Like, just everything going on. I was overwhelmed, I think, honestly. I was overwhelmed. I was just like, damn, there is so much stuff going on. I, and that's not a bad being overwhelmed necessarily isn't always a bad thing, as I think normally we um, associate being overwhelmed with bad things often. Like, you can be overwhelmed with good. Like, you know, it's, that's it's not necessarily a It's kid in a sweetie shop thing. type of thing, isn't yeah, it? It's it? Yeah, absolutely. Kid, it's, it's all the shiny things. Yeah, yeah. For, for sure. Good. That's what it was like. The long the long cool down after where you go through this story instance and then you go back yeah. to Arborstone, you go, you go, there's this long processing period. And I think that that is really important to make it not a bad overwhelm from earlier. Yeah. It's I mean, I already down. said it, but yeah. I loved that whole thing. <laughs> I loved the whole instance. Yeah. I loved the turning the tides, ascending to your full full-on form dragon champion <laughs> i i thought all of it was fantastic so yeah i still uh really really think that's one of my favorite instances probably from a lot of guild wars too but um especially in end of dragons where there were other several like several other story instances that i think were fantastically done um it felt to me like when you look at like the really early the early story instances in Guild Wars 2, they have a lot of flavor and flair. There's some really memorable, really fun ones. But there are also so many of them that you're like, what do you what do you want me to do? Like, what do you even want from me? <laughs> you're like trying to figure out what you're supposed to do and what the exact beats are and how you make the thing happen. And especially if you're working on achievements or stuff like that, some of them could be confusing. Um and to see how much their storytelling has even grown in these kinds of instances. It was challenging. Like you said, it was overwhelming in a sense because so much was happening. It was such a huge moment. There was this huge culmination. 
But at the same time, I was so thrilled and I felt like, you know, my path ahead was clear. I, I had, you know, I had to figure out what the mechanics were, but I wasn't like floundering, trying to figure out, like, am I supposed to use some special thing to do a thing to find mm -hmm. this, to go down that <laughs> path or to go up to, you know, it was yeah. just, it was just like thrilling, fast paced action with a huge cinematic high point. Um, and I really, really, really loved that. So yeah, I loved this one. And the cooldown time after was also great and led to some other really fantastic things that they did in End of Dragons. One thing in particular, one thing. We'll get, we're going to get there very soon. Uh, what I thought I would do is play the end, actually play the end of this cinematic where, uh, there's, um, Suwon and there's Aurene. And I thought, I thought it'd just be nice to have the sound. Maybe Kruf will be in there probably some point in time, but I think they left it mainly. So I'm going to have some sound up. Everyone um, to together. Yeah, so you might be a bit behind. I do apologize for peeps in the podcast. Without your part, this world would be undone. Do not waste time with regret. I'll, I'll try. Thank you. So on. Can I confess something, little one? I'm afraid to die. I don't... I don't want to be alone. I once thought loneliness was our burden. Kinship with the mortals. Cherish it. I do. I will. I'm going to dream now. The cycle must end to be reborn. Jesus. <laughs> the only one completed. All done. That was the yeah. That was you know that that to hear like a a being as well say like to say I am afraid to die after creating something and being around for so long and like still wants to be there and they don't want to be alone. Like, you know, in the end of the day, that's kind of, I don't want to sound dark and morbid, but that's kind of where we are. You know, we're on our own. This is our journey. This is our path through life. And then we come to this place where we feel do feel probably very alone as well. And it's just imagining that, that specifically. 
and just it's really done well like it gets you it does if if anyone plays that and he doesn't hit them somewhere i don't know they might be a narcissist <laughs> but like do you know what i mean like even just now i've seen that a few times like even just writing the notes i was like damn i had to watch that a few times be like that was like heavy and they they also said like I'm going to dream now. And then Aureen says the cycle must end to be reborn as well, which, which really makes you think, like, what does that mean? What does that sentence mean? Might not mean much at all. Um, but, like, you know, Aureen is essentially this re- rebirth, the, the cycle starting again, but also the magic and what Aureen is going to create. Like, is Aureen going to tr- create dragons? Like, like, what is, what is, there's so much left open, which is great for your mind to just kind of... Um, wander off but yeah you're like that is that it that it, it's not that's it but like you know it's pretty powerful good right yeah cool is it good it's, you know? it's incredibly humanizing yes. to have that vulnerability mm-hmm. every every person will have feared loneliness and and exactly. experienced loneliness and every person is mortal we, we face that at the end of our existence mm-hmm. and it's it's almost worse to watch someone that you that you love or that you long to be with leaving mm-hmm. that's that's it's the mother the parental figure that she's never had the person who could understand her better than anybody and she's had such a fleeting time and the the that is such a humanizing moment for entities that have throughout the story been very enigmatic. They, they were described when we first um, encountered them as like, um, you know, like primal forces, like an element a mindless elemental beings. But in the end, they, they have all the, 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 the problems that we do of sibling rivalry and desperation and greed and and fear and and that it's a very humanizing moment for the story and it gives us a great deal of compassion for a creature Aureen, who is essentially a god but we have pity for her mm-hmm. we, we we can see her journey going forward and it is going to be incredibly difficult, as you as, you, as we were talking about we were talking about immortality. Mm. But it is a burden, especially when the people that you love are not. Mm-hmm. So I think they did it really, really well. They played they played that story beat perfectly. Yeah, I think Crichton said it better than I could have. I love it. Yeah, mm. that's, I, feel the same. I feel the same. Yeah, cool. But yeah, that wasn't it. That wasn't that wasn't the whole shebang. Um, we are there. There's a lot to, and we'll let we'll leave other people to kind of gleam from it what they want to. Like there's the post kind of instant stuff. Um, you can engage in other stories and achievements. I'm not going to go through that now. I don't think that's uh, re- it's other than one tiny. Oh, so one tiny note. I did really like that at the very end they let you talk to everybody in Arborstone, yes. and then yeah. the the credits roll over Orin. I thought that was that was so, good. I was like, that was like, good. I'm glad it wasn't just like a backdrop and in, of like something. In else case anybody hasn't stay through the credits, there's an achievement for it. Yes, there is. That's very <laughs> true. But then, what is it? Three weeks later or three months later? I can't remember. I think three it was weeks. weeks. Three three weeks, something like that. And then you go back. Implication: Everyone had a nice vacation and (laughs) chilled for a while. There's a letter from Casimir, and basically saying they have something they want to share. 
and we're going back to like the pub where we basically everything started like you know in season one where you all met together and Mar it was marjorie's was it marjorie's pub i think back in the day yeah. i can't remember it was right yeah um yeah. and it was just like this was cool because i don't think anyone i don't think i expected this it was like i was just like yeah cool we're done and then it was like suddenly mail like let's go to let's go to this this pub and and hang out. Like did, was this expected? What were you? What was everyone expecting this point in time? Like and, and again, this is major spoilers, <laughs> in case you haven't noticed yet um, from the title and everything else. What was it like to go kind of go back to this pub? Like you know that's the cycle as well. There's so much. So I wasn't here for on. season one. Uh, I didn't yeah. get to. I'm just playing season one for the first time. So this is actually really fresh on my mind um, that this is where the story cool. started. So that okay. was, it, it may not have been quite the same sense of nostalgia, but it was still a really, it was consciously a very cool decision to make it all come loop back to right here. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I, say I wasn't expecting it. Um, for a long time, the community has talked about, you know, oh, I wish we could see their wedding. I wish we could, you know, um, because again, it's, a, it's, these characters are wonderful, right? Um, it's funny to me whenever I have mentioned something like in a podcast or in other things, you know, every now and then we get the smarmy people in comments, wherever it is or on Twitter, right? That are like, uh, non-binary character. Ugh, why'd you talk about liking that so much? Or yeah, like, you should stay you know, out like, of politics and make video games. Yeah, <laughs> or, you know, LG, yeah. LGBT representation in the game. Ugh. Or I remember on like one of the pre-release videos that I did um, as part of the kind of like media tour Guild Wars Two did, which I think yeah. many of us got to participate in. Um, I had mentioned like how wonderful I thought it was. And because while running it, the devs were also talking about how wonderful mm -hmm. they thought it was um, that they had like worked in Jade tech and, um, you know, people who use prosthetics and things yeah. like that. And that having this new horizon of representation in the game mattered to them mm. as developers and that they really loved as well just how it worked in a fantasy setting, right? Mm. Like, these things don't have to be silly, gimmicky things. Just because you hear the word diversity or you hear, you know, like, representation yes. in games yeah. doesn't mean that it's, like, I don't know, lessening the quality of your work. If anything, I think it enhances it, especially mm. when it's done well. And Guild Wars 2, from the beginning, from living season one, from before that, has been a game that has this diversity in it. Mm -hmm. So when people leave a comment or roll their eyes or make like, you know, whatever thing, I just sit here going, what game have you been playing for, for 10 years? I know, years? I just, like, I don't get it either. I'm like, how, when was this new? Like, this is, they've been supporting Pride for fucking, like, ever. Like, what, what, where like, are you existing Can, can I just world? say, so I've just rolled, I've just rolled a new Elementalist on my Steam account. The first love story I've come across is, is I'm doing the night story where he's going around, he's got this magic armor. And the first love story, I intercede with two boys, they're in love, one of them is defending the other one from assault, and I intercede to save them. It's oh, right you know. there, guys. Ten, 10 years ago, it's right there on the first. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I'm like level four. Hello. <laughs> and and <laughs> I mean, the next, the next major romance you see is Kate and Fowling. 
Yep. Yes, and like Absolutely. representations of abusive relationships and representations mm -hmm. of mental health. And like yeah. this game has always had such a touch for, like you were talking about with that final cutscene, bringing humanity to the mm. game, not forced whatever you think it is a literal reflection of humanity like what it means to in all its forms and shapes to you know be a human being that exists in this world and they're constantly looking to also expand that and so all of that said i mean the community for a long time uh most of the community has really looked forward to seeing something like this because they've been a long-standing couple in the game they are iconic within the mmo sphere there are no other mmos i can think that have had an actual on-screen kiss between two characters that are uh in a same-sex relationship that comes to mind no yeah, like, let alone anything that has been like this. And Guild Wars 2 did it in Living Season 1. So with the re-release of Living Season 1 and with 10 years of a story arc coming to a close and with the fact that I know that many people that work at ArenaNet themselves are, you know, of all kinds of different backgrounds. It's a hugely also diverse company. Yeah, like, yeah. the good. fact that they went, we're going to capstone our expansion mm -hmm. with... I thought it was an engagement, but it's been confirmed that it was like sort of a wedding. Yeah, we no. were on that side. We we, we <laughs> thought they were getting married. In I the thought game. they were getting married. That's I think it's so That's funny because... that they teased this instead of just giving us a wedding. This yeah. is like the cliffhanger. It's not even having yet. Like, when <laughs> is that going to be? Is it going to? It should be Christmas. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Sorry, I said it wrong. Uh, yes, we were on the opinion. Jebro yeah. and I were on the opinion that it was like a you know like small equivalent to like a courthouse I wedding, so, right? Yeah. Where you're just like legalizing it, and they had the paperwork drawn up and all that kind of stuff. But apparently, it is an engagement, so we might still get a full on wedding sequence. I'm kind of glad that we're wrong about that because then we can have that. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'm super happy to be 100 right, of course. Which of is course, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm super happy about. That. Oh, of course, yeah, Crichton, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's what it's things. it's also good because that means they can use the wedding arch in Lion's Arch. Exactly. Lion's yes. Lion. Yes. At long last. <laughs> but is this a beginning of um of getting married in the game? Getting married yeah, in MMOs is a is a thing. Rift, you can get married in ESO. You get married if you Final give fantasy. with the ring. Yeah. You get extra XP in like Rift. I remember that and ESO yeah. actually. You give them the ring and they get extra bonus XP when they're. <laughs> it'd be super cute. I would be so down for that. <laughs> so um, good. But New expansion feature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, with all of that in mind, <laughs> but also just myself, um, I was deeply moved. Um, I here come the emotions again. You got me you got me tearing up because you replayed that final cutscene, but now the emotions are gonna flood out. Um, <laughs> I'll play that one as well if you want. <laughs> it has been such a hard year. And I actually think when, it's been a hard couple of years, right? But I actually mm -hmm. think that when I was playing through that, I'm trying to remember if this is actually how it lined up or if it's just how it lined up in my head. I'm going to go ahead and just say, I, I think this was around the time um, that we were first getting our whiffs and or had things happening with Roe versus Wade. And right around that time, mm. um, and that being overturned in the United States, and mm. right around that time, um, there was also some discussion about the fact that uh, if this was the first, that there were intentions to come for others mm. and that um, gay marriage might be overturned. Mm. And I 
was in such a dark place. It was so scary. <laughs> I I mean, uh, I tweeted about it, but you know, even in the past, I I had had a friend, um, one of my best friends, um, who dealt with during Trump's administration, the Dream Act being overturned, mm. um, because my friend was brought here against her will as a baby. She had no idea. Um, and didn't even find out that she was an illegal immigrant to the United States until she was getting ready to apply for college. Ugh. And when she was getting ready to, and all our other friends and, you know, myself and everybody, we were doing this, her parents sat her down and said, you cannot apply to colleges. Mm -hmm. If you do, they'll find out your social security number is fake. You are here illegally. And her entire life crumbled. And she was living in fear for years. And she called me. Um, when Trump was going to overturn Dream Act, because every person that had applied for Dream Act—sorry, this is kind of a long ramble—but I promise it gets no, us to no, the no, point. No, 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 I'm, I'm in this. Um, I, I get it because I've I've had a case with a kid exactly in this situation. So yes. yeah, carry on. And um, when when it came to applying for Dream Act, which for those who don't know was something that Obama uh, instituted for children and you know young adults or people like my friend who were in this situation to provide documentation of the life they had lived in the United States um, so that they could get citizenship or at <laughs> least a temporary type of citizenship that would make it so that they weren't in immediate danger of losing their life or being deported or as children being deported to places that they had never lived or, I mean, young people, teenagers, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, for my friend, she'd only ever lived here. She, she was my god a way better student than any of our other friends she was gonna go to law school she you know like she was the epitome of somebody and you don't even have to be to deserve this kind of safety but she yeah. was the epitome of somebody that had worked hard that had taken care of her family taken care of her friends um that was brilliant and driven and motivated to make the world a better place and contribute to society um, and she faced this. And I remember she called me when Trump was going to turn this over um, and was sobbing because they'd had to provide so much documentation of their life in the United States. And they were now all on a list. And for all those years that she had hidden, they could deport her and she could lose her life and be in a country she'd never been in and be unable to complete her law degree. And um, it was one of the most devastating phone calls I think I've ever received, minus a few others in my life, because we sat there in the dark crying. Um, you know, I was like, I'll marry you if I have to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, yeah. I was like, we'll, we'll do whatever we have to do, because this is not going to happen to you, not to one of the best people I know. So all of this to say, when we got to this point around this time, End of Dragons came out and... I think for me, the loss, and this wasn't even me directly, but the idea of what the loss of certain rights and what the reversal of certain legal decisions could do to somebody was so much more profound because even secondhand, I had felt that fear for someone I loved. And, um, when we got to this scene in End of Dragons that had been after just brutal news after brutal news after brutal news, you know, people who refused to acknowledge the humanity of other people, who refused to acknowledge the, you know, the rights of those who are immunocompromised to exist in the middle of a pandemic, 
all of these things, this fear on the horizon where I was having message, message DMs, threads with friends where, you know, I'm talking to them and I was like, okay, well, if your state dissolves your marriage, you can come up here. We will house you for as long as you need. If your state takes away your rights to trans health care, you can come up here. If your state, I mean, we were just anyone, we, we had DMs coming in just constantly because people were scared. And people we loved were so terrified, and rightfully so. And I got to this part in End of Dragons, and the gaming space isn't always known for being something that is loving and compassionate and kind predominantly, although thankfully I think we all play a lot of games where there is a large majority that keeps that in mind. And I was blown away that in this climate, in this time, in this period, a game company would choose to end a 10-year expansion cap with a message of love and acceptance when we were in so desperate need of it and humanity, you know? Um, it was so profoundly moving to me. I sobbed because it felt like I have to always make so many excuses for companies. <laughs> it's like, well, it's really hard. They're a Japanese-based company, so they probably can't do, you know, they should do, but they probably can't do representation. Or, oh, well, you know, they are, they're controlled by some big company and they know it could affect sales, so they're not getting... And for all that we can talk about End of Dragons, to me personally, that moment was something where I went, this is what makes ArenaNet. So special. There are so many reasons, but they didn't have to do that, and they did. And I think for so many people, it will have made them feel seen at a time when they were scared for their own existence worldwide, not even just the US, right? Like so many things happening. Um, and I just like thought, sorry, this is so long. I just thought to me that was something that I will never forget and I will never diminish that they did because um, they didn't have to and they did it and they did it beautifully and with grace and the team cared about it. And they were so proud that they went out on a limb and they put it in the game and that they requested specially that it be put in the game. Um, and I just, God, it's such a wonderful thing. It was such a wonderful thing. I think we we talked about at one point how it it was some other story beat that we were like it's unfortunate this was the last story beat because it overrode like what came before they made sure that this was the final story beat this is the last thing you see it's the epilogue after the epilogue it's the it's the thing they wanted people to remember and come away feeling the most after everything they just did is that story, that that little message of your your love is love and we want you to feel this kind of love. Yeah. That was their deliberate ending note. I think that's awesome that you shared it with us as well, so thank you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's true. It was uh, it was a huge, huge moment. So yeah, I I was so happy to see that. And I think it was an amazing way to end the expansion. It was perfect. Mm. So. <laughs> Thank you for all being awesome, as you always are. And I'm very glad to always have you here to share such things because it's it's always so important that we do these things because uh, it allows other people to do the same. 
and to think they're not alone in these situations is is ever so important and when you talk about stuff which is difficult peeps and this goes for anyone watching or listening like when you talk about stuff with shit in your life that's difficult it enables other people to do the same and it was also enables people to not feel alone in that you know and I know what this kind of thing means to, you know, I, you know, I had kids that were going through that same thing, you know, the, the turning over of Roe versus Wade, but then also, you know, kids who were trans kids who were like glad that they were in Seattle because they would just couldn't imagine living anywhere else. And the fear of that and like, what happens if it happens here, you know, and all, and I'm not a member of the community, but like, you know, I, I work with kids and other and adults who, who are affected and I have friends like you or I, who do go through this as well. So it's, it's all, it's all so important to talk about. And there are so many people in the world who just don't understand what, how, how things like this are so important to different people and, and to feel represented and included and, it's important and i think it really they do really do they're so diverse like i mean i maybe may the people within the company to think they could be more di diversity you know i think there's always that that feeling we could always be more diverse i don't think you can ever be the most diverse company ever but you look at the people and you you hear them talk about the game and their experiences and what they want to do like it's it's good to see and, and i'm glad that we're part of this community it's very cool uh, to talk about the game and the story in this way, I always thought that, and I'm, I'm even more glad and interested to see where they take it next. Like seeing these stories develop specifically, and the new characters we see, and the relationships that we see coming in uh, with an idea of representation and div a diversity in mind specifically. Um, very cool, very cool. Um, I'm gonna start to move us towards an end, <laughs> which sounds like you know awful but uh, where, where we were but it's like three and a half hours so <laughs> and these people have been here for a lot longer than that because i, I was faffing about doing myself as i usually do uh is anyone want to say anything else about the end because i don't want to just like end it on some random note if i didn't mention something or something someone wanted to say something about that uh end instance there with the marriage and stuff because uh potential marriage in the future that will happen hopefully in uh and in its own entire story, Living World Season. <laughs> can, I, can I say something about the story in general? Yeah, sure. General, yeah. I mean, we can, we can end on some general notes generally about that. Seems like a good idea, actually. So I think, I think the whole of the, of the expansion is an allegory for the, the difficulties that we face. Mm. I, think, I think as writers, you can't help but reflect the the reality of your situation and i think it's a story of hope hope uh, that when we come together when we put aside the petty differences of culture when we when we accept each other fully as human beings however we represent in this world and we come with love and we come with passion then we can overcome almost seemingly insurmountable challenges and I think that that's the story that they've told. That's it's a story of hope and renewal and possibilities for everybody, and maybe a bit of a rallying cry. I mean, I, I bet a lot of authors and story writers of all sorts would love that um, if you take this message and see 
they're telling a story where people are putting aside, they're saying, okay, the world is bigger than our problem right here, right now. Let's do something about the bigger problem together. And the, their players act on that and come together and do something bigger and better together than they could do fighting their smaller problems alone. Mm. I, I will say that this is why the forces who we, who we rally against, they don't want these stories to be told. Mm-hmm. Because every time you show people as people, they lose. Mm, every time we love each other and we come together, they lose. They know that they're, they're, they may be on the right, but they're certainly not on the right side of history. Mm. And they're going to lose. We just have to love each other and keep moving forward. And, that, and the stories like this, they're so important because in the midst of your real-life turmoil, this little bit of fluff, this little bit of hope, this little bit of love, this little bit of another human being reaching out and saying, no, you're, you're good. We love you. It's, it means the world. It means, the, it means everything, you know? I think it's uh, the... <laughs> building on that yeah, Jesus come been... on people <laughs> I haven't it's got been... any tissues here <laughs> I'm going to like using my t-shirt in a minute <clears throat> it's been difficult the last few years because we've been watching um, catastrophic things happening on a scale that we can't even sometimes grasp and we know we can't do anything about alone and a lot of the th- problems from s- political situations that we're seeing to the climate itself, the, the health of our planet, these are repercussions of choices made by generations, by mm. people long dead, even. And a message of hope like this, this rallying cry, I mean, yes, it's a fantasy world with a fantasy solution, but the message is still there that yeah the problem is the problem existed since the void existed since the dawn of time or before and but that doesn't mean that you just have to let it destroy everything that you love Mm. you fight for it you come together you you be stronger together and do everything you can to defend the good and the beautiful and the lovely that that we have and that we can restore. And that's really, that's what it all felt like is this problem was inherited, but they dealt with it by coming together. It's not your fault, but it is yes. all of our responsibilities yeah. to deal with it. That's the, that's the truth. And that goes from the climate to the, to the nonsense on the far right we have to we have to deal with it head on mm. together okay awesome i love it ah oh, fuck i love this podcast fuck i love it it's so good it's so good oh i'm so proud of this i really am uh, it just gives me it gives me all the good feel. I've not got tissues. Calm down. Uh, <laughs> I just it really I really I know I've said this many times, but I'm so so proud. Um, how 
Fuck off, you stupid person. <laughs> it was just some Done. person being silly in the chat. I just instantly banned their ass. Um, I'm so, I'm so, 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 so proud. I can't even see the chat anymore because I've broken it. Um, of everything we have achieved here so far and like just everything you're all bringing all the time. Um, thank you for your honesty and talking about stuff which is not easy to talk about um this is a this is a i just i want to bring some attention to what this month is about as well specifically mental health uh suicide prevention as well and and all of the issues we've kind of talked about brought in from our own lives or we've talked about generally you know there is there's a lot going on for a lot of people out there right now so you know that this specifically this means a lot to me because of my own past i'm not going to go into that right now but like in my own journey and stuff but like looking on those people as well that you may not have heard from in a while uh, checking on your friends all of the stuff that is going on and continues to go on um in our world you know with everyone from the lgbtqi plus and all everything else is included in in that community you know people who live in very very diverse communities people from cultures that we don't you know we don't understand who you may not have heard from for a long time just anyone and everyone people just like reach out to people talk to people you don't have to talk about what's going on in their lives specifically a simple hello can sometimes just be enough to stop people from thinking about doing a thing that will you know bring an end to their journey to their life to turn to other people's and you know being able to witness and experience them in in their own lives as well you know what i'm trying to say just be good to people and don't be like that person in chat. <laughs> Basically. Um, we're going to end it there. I appreciate everyone's time. Um, I might stick those bits and bobs under a, the description, actually, for the you matter command if you want to use it in chat. Um, it's something we have every week. There's loads of numbers, crisis lines and stuff as well if you're ever in um pain yourself and you need someone to talk to and you feel like you're in crisis please make sure you reach out there otherwise what a great podcast and time to end on on the end of the entire like end of dragon story review that was pretty damn cool um we're done with that we did it we did it we actually did it at long 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 last i know right (laughs) um I know crew from Boots didn't get to do it. So they did it a bit. And like they got they got that they got that half in. And that's fine. Um But yeah. We're gonna end it there. Um anything else? The final word. Final word, Crown. We're gonna say a thing. I was gonna say it. The next podcast should be where we all want the expansion to go. What where which worlds we want to explore oh, next. God. That would be pretty good. Strange new worlds. Sandra Day was yesterday. Oh my god, it was such a good show. Such a good show. Also, watch Sad and Man. Anyway, carry on. Might be fun to have one talk about, like, if we were to, if there were to be a Guild Wars 3, what what would that be? Yeah, oh, that's damn. on the list. That's on the list, yeah. There's a, there's a lot on the list. I've got to work out next week's one first. But I'm also uh, <laughs> starting my own my own work soon. So uh, as a note as well, if you're watching this into the podcast, there will be there may be a change in it might be in time or day. I'm not too sure. It won't be next week, but the week after, and how things are continuing on. Um, 
but yeah we'll see we'll see because i don't know what's going on right now because i'm still i'm gonna be a counselor in like a week and a half yay <laughs> so that's gonna be cool it's it gonna be awesome and it's i'm excited but sketch of this as well um but yeah otherwise rookery tell us what you do where you do it where can we find you uh yeah you can find me on twitch uh at rookery r-o-o-k-u-r-i you can also find me on youtube at rookery and uh on both this podcast and aetherite radio the final fantasy 14 podcast that i do on saturdays if i'm not live on one of those places or if there's not a video going up you can probably find me doing a variety of other special events and other kinds of content we've done cooking competitions recently we've done shout casting for race to world first and competitive pvp shout casting so um Keep an eye out wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing. We are always happy to see you. Awesome. As usual, very, very awesome to have you on the show. Thank you, Rookery. Oh, Scotch, tell us what you do, what you do. Tell us about yourself. Um, I am a variety streamer here on Twitch at Otterscotch. Um, I right now only do guild wars on tuesdays so definitely join for that but look forward to soon as soon as fall hits i'm going to be needle felting and crafting again and this is a for for people listening i'm showing off my little felted quaggan again it's the sort of thing that we make awesome yes if you can't see the stream or the video or anything uh yes come watch the video at least for that (laughs) there's many reasons (laughs) you come but it's very good Awesome. Thank you again, Old Scottish, for joining us as well, legend. And last but not least, Fornix, the Crown Herald, with a beanbag in the background, because I wasn't sure what that was. Um, I thought it was a ham at first, but it's actually a beanbag. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a ham, man. Like, look, look at it. It does look like a... It- does now looking at it look like a ham okay i'll have to change that no 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 don't the big ham in the background is important it's it's a ham shaped bag it looks it's not not suitable for a vegan oh your life is a lie i understand oh it is yeah (laughs) i'm actually don't have pink hair either um oh my god ruined the lies yeah um so i'm phonix the Crichton herald if Arena Net wants to employ me as their lawmaster, come at me in the comments. Um, come at me yeah. in the comments. That's come the weirdest the place comments. to initiate employment. Hello, <laughs> Phonics. Would you like I to actually, work for us? <laughs> actually, I do have a work email. So Crichton, the Crichton Herald at gmail.com. You can, you, can, you can contact me there. Anyway, my fantasy life aside, um, I make videos on YouTube, the Crichton Herald. I do, uh, I've done a huge load. If you're brand new to Guild Wars 2 and you're just getting into it, you're probably not watching this podcast, but share it with your friends. I've done a huge 24 series, mini series, um, 24 part mini series for getting <laughs> into Guild Wars 2. Sorry, totally wrong. My brain is scrambled now after all the talking. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm also going to be uh, streaming on uh, Twitch and YouTube, um, doing some playing through the game from start to finish on a brand new account. God help me. Yeah. That's nice. That's cool. Exciting. Exciting. Okay. <gasps> Legends. Again, thanks so much for sharing everything that you have. We are going to be leaving you now. But a reminder, I am myself going to be streaming on YouTube on Saturday. So we're actually going to have a YouTube stream once a week. Maybe. We'll see how it goes because I have no idea 
how well that's gonna go you know we it's gonna be me and the mods at the very least i, I don't actually care it's gonna be fun i just want to try another platform now we have the ability to do that i can't dual stream or whatever the flipping thing people are calling it um but yeah so if you do want to come and join that's gonna be on saturday it's about 12 p.m pacific that's live people here as well that's tomorrow um different systems different stuff could be fun could completely go wrong and it completely tits up i don't know what's gonna happen it's gonna be fun at the very least otherwise the podcast will still remain weekly and i will let everyone know about changes should they come up um twitch.tv slash uni on twitch that's not changing i'm still streaming on twitch on the weekends and yeah otherwise thank you so much for watching go and check out the past episodes anchor.fm slash unity check out the youtube with instagram facebook and all the things of all of the people that we have they have links as well to the game if you want to buy it through their link we will see you next time on the Lightbringers podcast do a little wave if you want we did the story we did ender dragons it's done and i have to find music as well otherwise this is going to be an awkward ending ah oh, there's nothing awkward about me Everyone, thanks so much for watching the Lightbringers podcast. I appreciate you all listening, watching, and being a part of this awesome community. We'll see you next time. Take care for episode 24. I don't know what it's going to be about. Bye.